Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. A couple of big wins for BYU and Utah State at home, beating nationally ranked teams. We will get to those games. Post-game reaction from coaches and players of both schools coming up. But we begin with the big game tonight, the season opener for all of Major League Soccer. Just one game tonight, RSL at Miami. Miami is loaded, not just with Messi, but some of his friends. <laughs> and for RSL, a lot of young guys getting an opportunity to play. Diego Luna is going to be expected to lead. Andres Gomez now with Savarino gone on the right side. He should get a chance to play big minutes. Kurt Schmid, who runs the uh, soccer operations for RSL, visiting with PK and I yesterday in advance of tonight's season opener. Here's Kurt. Kurt, good morning. Morning. How are you? Doing well this morning. The season opener, and it's messy. Uh, how fired up are people for this? I think people are, are really fired up for it. Um, it's obviously exciting to get the season going again, and I think you know the opponent's given everyone a little bit of extra motivation for sure. Is there uh, sometimes with uh, other sports – uh, the first game, they'll unscramble it. Is that the case, or is it just going to be as usual uh, on the Apple that you got to subscribe? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, not every game uh, needs to be subscribed to, and I'm not positive at the top of my head if the if this game is um, is going to be a free one or not. But there are some games that are available for free if you just log on. For RSL going into this game, there have been so many changes. Uh, You've got new personnel. You've got uh, all new assistant coaches this year. Uh, As a front office executive sitting back and watching this game, what's the number one thing you're watching for that's stressing you out, that if it goes well, then things fall into place? Yeah, I think, you know, look, we we invested in a lot of good young players, and um, we're looking for them to take a big step up and and become – important contributors and, and critical parts of the team. So I think that's what we're looking for this year, and that's what we need from those guys. And I think they've shown really good signs of, of taking those steps. Um, so that's been a big positive. And then along with that, you know, the, the coaching staff would come in. I think the, the tactics are going to look a little bit different, um, you know, and not, not everything will be instantaneous. But um, starting to see some really good signs in preseason of, of the tactics kind of gelling and the players picking it up, and that's been very good as well. 17-year-old Barajas, my gosh, 17 years old. I mean, that's just incredible. How long does it take a 17-year-old to get acclimated before you're going to expect him to be a significant contributor? <laughs> um, I won't put too many expectations on him, but he's come into preseason. He's done really, really well. So when you talk about the level, the speed of play, the physicality, um, he can certainly fit in and, and hold his All right, well, we just lost him, so we will get back and get that thought. 17 years old, PK. We were in high school, and now he's a pro. And he's moved all around the country. He's from, uh, he grew up in Sacramento, and he was in the San Jose's Academy. And then he went off and played in the, in the USL and was in Charlotte. And now here he is in Major League Soccer, and he might run on the field with Messi at 17. All right, we lost you there in the middle of the Barajas answer. Go ahead and finish your thought on that. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no, he's done really well. And, you know, we, we won't know how it's going to look when he gets into a real game with fans and and, uh, you know, another team that's trying to kick him, but um, pretty pretty high host for him, and I think he can contribute this year. You have a couple of players you acquired here late, but I don't think they've joined the, the team yet, and they may end up being two starters. What is the timeline for, uh, for them to join the team? 
Uh, yeah, Matt Crooks um, is getting his, his visa sorted. Um, he might be available for the weekend, but he's, you know, both, we, we expect both to be available for the home opener. Um, Alex, Alexandros Katranis, uh is definitely not an option this week. Um, and then Matt Crooks, we're, we're fingers crossed trying to get him here in time. Do you find uh, with these players being so young, if they are an American versus a foreign kid, is the adjustment for the American kid much easier? I think when you talk about coaching and integrating into the group, I think it can be because obviously there's a, there's no language barrier. Um, you know, they're they're a lot more comfortable in the, in the city and the you know in the environment, so it can. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, soccer is soccer. When you're on the field, it's, it's it's still a game, and the rules are the same. And I think I think both guys can settle in. Uh, but a big part of that, honestly, is having the right pieces around you when you're a young kid and having some experience around you. And, you know, that's why we looked at, I think, the guys that we did this offseason with, you know, Matt Crooks coming in with a little more experience and Katrina coming in with a little more experience as well. Yeah, they're 25 and 30 years old, so it's a little different there. Andres Gomez came in, and there were sparks from him, and I was told multiple times he looks great all week long in training, but once you get him off the practice field and put him in the game, it doesn't quite translate. I've also been told he looks like a different guy this year. He played more defense in uh, one week this year than he played an entire year last year, expecting a big step forward because I think he's one of the young guys you're talking about. Yeah, I think offensively he's very, very exciting. He has the technical ability, he has the speed. Um, <clears throat> he can beat guys 1v1. I think he can be goal dangerous. He can set other guys up. It, it, there's a few things that we're working on with him in terms of how he gets behind with and without the ball um, and needs to be pretty adept at doing both of those things. So from that standpoint, we expect that step forward. And then, you know, defensively, yeah, he's, his commitment and his work rate defensively has been really good this preseason. And, you know, I think he's working on actually the – the positioning of it, the tactical side of it, and that's what he's getting. He joined us a little bit late because he's with the Colombian U23 national team, um, but he's picking it up pretty quick. So, yeah, he's one of the young guys we expect uh, more from this year. So Pablo gave an interview here in the last week or so, and they were asking him about the referee situation uh, with uh, the regulars not being available. Uh, do you guys uh, – do you – do you coach for that? How do you prepare for that in case you get some things that you don't normally get? I think you just emphasize the things that, that you know, you try to always emphasize, but, you know, the, the phrase control the controllable comes to mind, right? So that's something that's outside of the player's control. They can't fix it. They can't do anything uh, about it. And so they're, they just have to play and deal with, with the situation that, that is given them. So, you know, all the, like, the old cliches about, you know, playing until the whistle, not expecting anything, not expecting any favors, all those types of things, I think, apply. I think, you know, from our standpoint, maybe in the stands, it's maybe a little bit easier to be a little bit more patient with, with uh, a, you know, referee that's, that's maybe a little bit less experienced. But I think the players just need to control the controllables and take care of their performance. And, you know, the referee will take care of theirs. Messi's the big name because, well, he's messy. So there's that. But they've surrounded him with a bunch of big names. Who do you think ends up, given the way MLS works, who has the biggest impact for the club over the course of the season, and who are you most worried about in the opener having a big impact? Apart from Messi? Apart from Messi, yes. I mean, Messi's Messi, but he's not the only guy out there who's got a really good resume. He's just got the best resume. Yeah, I mean, look, across the season, I think um, someone like Busquets is obviously someone very important to how they play, and if you want to 
if you want Messi to be successful, they got to get him the ball, and Busquets is, is a big part of that, and he connected back to front really well for them last year when they were successful. So that's a big a big piece. And then, you know, I think the obvious newcomer, I guess, is, is Suarez coming in um, and, and to see what, what he's got left. And, you know, obviously still someone that we've got to – You've got to pay attention to in and around the box. He's he's deadly in that area. He's very dangerous. Um, but you know it's it's uh, he's he's getting up there in years. So for for me, it's a little bit of wait and see. But again, he's he did really well when he was in Brazil over the last couple of years. Um, so he's definitely someone that that we got to be aware of and, and pay attention to when in our final third. So you got the home opener later in the week. Uh, I'm wondering, as far as that goes, are there any new attractions or additions or anything that the fans can expect that is new and different? Um, I know there's always going to be uh, some some fun stuff out on the plaza uh, pregame, and I know that uh, I know that that's always a fun time to bring you know to, for fans, for for kids, for for all that stuff. I think um, it's a great place to spend some time before you have to go into the game and, and sit down and, and, you know, you watch the game. But uh, I think that's always something to look forward to. There's been a lot of travel in the preseason for RSL to Portugal and to uh, Santa Barbara and then back. And the one team that probably doesn't want to hear anything about RSL's travel is Miami because they were in Saudi Arabia, they were in Hong Kong, they were in Japan, I forget where else they were, but they were all over the world. How much do you think, it's the opener, we, we don't think fatigue should be a problem, but these teams have been through a lot of time zones and it's hard to shake that off. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> travel's hard. I mean, I'm not even playing and I've been traveling a bunch and I can feel it too. So yeah, tra- travel can be, can be tough and it can wear on the body, it can wear on the mind and you know, yeah, I don't think there's any real advantage to be gained, I think, by either side in this, on that side of things because both, both sides have had a good amount of travel over the past few weeks. But it's something that, you know, the boys are recovering from. Obviously, we came down here a day early to try to, you know, give us the give us as much time as possible on the ground before the game to, to settle in and shake that off. And, you know, it's just something that I think obviously road teams have to deal with at MLS. It's not usually something the home team has to deal with, but maybe it is in this in this situation. And, you know, if that balances things out, that's great. Well, it's RSL in Miami. It's the opener Wednesday night, and then RSL's at St. Louis on the weekend. And they finished atop the Western Conference in the regular season last year, so two really good opponents to start things off. Kurt, thanks for a, for a few minutes. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again later this season. Awesome. Thanks, guys. There is Kurt Schmidt talking Real Salt Lake opener tonight. You will hear it right here on The Zone, pregame at 5, and the game kicks off at 6 o'clock. When we come back, big wins for Utah State and BYU. We'll hear from their coaches and players coming up after they take down ranked teams at the Spectrum and the Marriott Center. Stay with us. Good morning. DJ and PK is proudly presented by Murdoch Hyundai, Utah's number one Hyundai dealer for 18 years in a row. Utah State gets a win at home over San Diego State. That, they had been tied. Now BYU all alone in first place. Half a game in front of Boise State. A full game in front of San Diego State. And then three more teams a game and a half back. It's a wild race. It was a great win. Great Osabar had an outstanding game. And afterwards, he talked with Scotty G. That was an old-fashioned drag-out, knockout fight. You and Ladie going toe-to-toe. And it felt like you kind of took this one personal. Oh, for sure. Like... I didn't think I did my team justice when we were in San Diego. Like, the team needs me to be at my best in big games especially. And Coach Sprinkle let me know about it. Like, he was like, in big games, that's when big players, like, 
do the most damage. And, I, and you know, you go to bed at night uh, before the game, some different games you go more excited than others. I was really excited about this game. I was, I was ready to go. I was ready to roll. So it was fun. Just tell me about uh, how strong he is. I mean, it, it, you guys were pushing up against each other. I, I Honestly, I told Coach Sprinkle, there came a point where Scotty was like, you can say something, Spencer, because I wasn't talking because I was just watching you two. You would meet him at the free throw line. He would meet you at the free throw line, and you would just start pushing against each other, trying to fight for position. But talk a little bit about that. What? What you were trying to do with him, what you felt like he was trying to do with you, and why you, f well, I, I felt like you got the better of the match. He had a good game. He's oh. a great player. He had a good game. He had 23, but I felt like you got the better of the match tonight. I'm telling you, like, he's one of the best players in America, right? And you could see it, like, he's so strong and so physical. So we made it a point, like, okay, we can't let him be comfortable. And we didn't want to let him get the ball in the block because could, he could have easily had 40 like that. But... Our plan was like, okay, if he gets on the block, we'll get it out of his hands. But then if he gets in that mid area, we're like, okay, but what about yourself? Great. And big credit to him. He's a big-time player. He made big-time shots. Like, he went 8 for 13. I'm pretty sure seven of them field goals were jump shots. Yeah, oh, mid-range. Yeah. Yeah. Mid -range I, I don't even remember a layup, but you're exactly no. right. It was, it was all mid-range, and he's got a great mid-range mm -hmm. game. But the fact that you didn't let him get anything close to the rim meant you were just fighting him the entire time. And then the other part of it, and this is, this is stuff people aren't watching. Boxing out, man. You did such a great job boxing out. You weren't chasing the rebounds. You were making sure he wasn't getting it half the time, right? Oh, Appreciate that. Thank you. Because people don't see that. People don't <laughs> see that. But every kid in the world should watch video of this game. It, is a, it, it was a clinic of how to box someone out. And he wasn't just hitting your back and then giving up. He was fighting around and everything. But you boxed out really well. Right. He's so strong. And, like, he goes to the glass every time, super aggressive. And I felt like I owed, owed it to my team, owed it to DB, owed it to Mason and Ian. Like, okay, I'm going to box out. If I happen to get the rebound, it's fine, whatever. But I had to make sure he don't get the rebound because he's, like, one of the best offensive rebounders in the conference, in the country, in fact. So I just did, I just did my part because, you know, I back myself physically, you know. I don't think many people are going to push me around. No, the, it, no, no. no one pushes you no, around. No. I mean, candidly, no one's pushed you around. A little bit he did, but yeah. he, you could see he was tired trying to push yeah, you around. Yeah, he looked more physically spent than you did down yeah. the stretch. I mean, he's he's a big-time player, so with guys like that, you can't let him be comfortable. Like, he's making me work. I was like, okay, I'm going to make him work, yeah. too. We're going we to go back and forth. Hey, uh, career high in assists tonight. Seven assists tonight to go along with those rebounds as well. And I know that you love to share the basketball. And when you see those guys hitting those shots off of your assist, how great of a feeling was that? Oh, it makes everything worth it. <laughs> you know, because teams this year haven't let me, let me play one-on-one -on -one a lot. So when teams are doubling, that means someone's open. And at times I've struggled with finding the right guy with high turnovers and stuff. But today I only had two TOs, which I'm most proud of. And I found the right guy. And all the other guys did the rest. They did the rest. They hit shots. That Khalifa was that he dunked. It. I was happy for him. How how do you when you when when you play three games in six days and two of those are on the road and that was a long lengthy road trip you know at Wyoming and Colorado State it would have been really easy for you guys to say like oh man we're tired we're spent this is a really good team we're playing but you were the more physical aggressive team in this game tonight how hard was it to bring that level of energy when you guys have really been up against it from a schedule standpoint. Um, you know, we, we knew after this game we had a week, a week off, right? So we're like, hey, if you can't give everything for 40 minutes, 
<laughs> just don't show up. And everyone showed up, you know. That just speaks volume to our team. Like, everyone came to practice really hard yesterday. Like, we could have easily had a light day yesterday, but we was in here banging yesterday, like, practicing hard. And then this morning, everyone was locked in their shoe around. And when everyone's connected, it shows, you know. The way we started, we've struggled starting games like this season, but today we started on a 6 or run. I was proud of our team. I, I think part of it had to do with the tip. You never get the tip. What's up with that, man? I always get the tip. Wait a minute. He always gets the tip. I always get the tip. I'm just having fun with him. I'm just having fun with him. Honestly, frankly, I don't remember the last time you lost the tip. That's what I'm saying. Like We we, we switched it because Fish was doing Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I know. He's trying to pull my butt. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Wait until. A little sensitive. Hey, don't let the crowd get to you. Don't worry about it. Wait until the Fresno State game before you say that and then get him you know you got a week before yeah, a game no, wait, that was wait until next and, monday and, to bring that and up and you did you started really really well i there were some question marks in terms of hey that colorado state was a tough loss how are they going to bounce back zero question from the tip you guys were on it and talk about the energy of the crowd how much that helped you get going as well man i'm telling you like okay so obviously we see like we're college athletes we see everything that everyone says on the net when when we don't play good but one thing that's being consistent has been the herd. They've been here for us the whole time. Like people can say whatever they want on the end and then when we ain't having our best, when I'm not having my best game or when we're not playing our best. But like, stay on our side. Well, the, the internet, the herd, they're with us. Oh, yeah. And when they come to games like this and show the energy and support, it's big time. Like it gets you going. It's like it's having six people out there. I didn't know if you could top the Boise State game in terms <laughs> of energy, but it, you, you, you ratcheted right past that in this game tonight. How. How crazy was that atmosphere to play in? And I want to go back to when Fish gets that tip in, to to because they cut the lead to one, and it, that you know you guys were out of sorts, and Martinez has to throw stuff that desperation. He gets the tip in, and then when Darius hits the three, to go up by six at that point, what's it like as a player being out on the court when you feel that kind of energy? Because Spencer knows what it's like because he's played. Mm-hmm. Some of us, myself included, we don't know what that's like. We, we've never been able to experience that. Take it. What, what's that like as a player to be able to enjoy that? How many, how many years were you here for? I was here eight, it felt like. I, I, I played all four years, and then I redshirted a year. I tore my ACL. So I, lucky. I, I think You're back of a few games, you know, beating Utah when they were like eighth in the country. I mean, we had some games that were like this, that were electric. This is what it was like, and it's so fun to see you guys be able to experience. I remember when I was coaching here, and we were hovering, hovering around 500. It's a weird thing to say, but one of the things I really wanted for our players was for them to experience this. And it's unique. You're never going to forget it, man. You're, you're going to just random moments. You're going to think back to when you beat San Diego State and the place was louder than you could think. You dunked it baseline when you drove on Ladie and dunked oh, yeah, it. That was and what that, what the place was doing. Those are fun, fun memories. But, yeah, for you, talk a little bit about that. I'm telling you, like, you're lucky you played here four years. Like, obviously, Montana State was amazing. It was an awesome. But, like, you have to come to a game in the spec to really understand, like, this place is insane. Especially when the when the herd is being so loud, and not even just the herd, all the other people are getting loud. Like I dunked the ball, I'm yelling, I can't even hear my voice. <laughs> you know, so it was it was so good. Like I'm so I'm blessed. I want to thank God for the opportunity to play in a situation like this. This is what you dream for, dream of. Like when I was in my park, opposite my house, when I was 13 shooting hoops, is 
for stuff like this. Well, I'm just, I'm just really blessed. Great. Congratulations, man. Enjoy the week. You guys Thank have you. deserved it. Hopefully, Coach is light on you, lets you oh, get a couple days, days off. off. Two days off? Yep. Oh, you guys have earned it. For sure. You Peace absolutely earned it. You're the best, man. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Joe. There is great Osibor and his post-game thoughts after a tremendous game. All right, Jeff Goodman, who uh, has been a, a national media member for a long time, now runs the field of 68. He spoke with Scotty after the game. Here's Jeff Goodman. Your first trip to Logan, what were your impressions here tonight? Unbelievable. Unbel- this is what college basketball is all about. This is what it's all about. I mean, you come here, you know, even the drive up here, guys, I kind of got goosebumps. You know, I kind of <laughs> did. I got goosebumps because you hear about it, and I haven't been here, and I've been covering this sport for 25 years, and I'm like, how have I not been here? How, how have I not how made that drive? How have you not been here, man? What's up with that? I don't know. Yeah, this was a great game to come I to. The spectrum come when was Merrill good. was here. I couldn't let him have the, the glory that I came <laughs> I for understand. Sam Merrill. I you know, so I understand. Uh, but what it, did it meet the expectation? I mean, because you yeah. hear a lot of hype, but it met the expectation. Your student section is as good as any in the country. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's as good. I was just at Auburn. It's as good as Auburn. Uh, I was just at Kansas. Kansas overall is number one. Yeah. Overall, yeah. when you get everything. It's just sheer number, too. Yeah, Number, you know, the tradition, the history, all of it. There's nothing like Allen Fieldhouse. But this is a bucket list place. Yeah. This is somewhere that if you are a college basketball fan, you have to get to. Like, it's that good. And, again, obviously you're playing San Diego State. First place on the line. Now you kind of control your own destiny. I mean, you really do. Oh, absolutely. Look at it. Four we, winnable games. Yeah, 100%. New Mexico at home is going to be a tough game, but yep. that's what we talked about. In the sense, you win this game, that number one seed is absolutely yours to lose at this point. And, uh, yeah, really good. Scotty wanted to ask you about Coach Sprinkle. Well, we yeah. were talking about during the break, you know, Utah State's a little isolated. Yeah. Mountain West, not a huge media market. But Danny Sprinkle, with what he's done, is he in consideration, in your opinion, as being a National Coach of the Year candidate? I mean, he's right here, so I don't want to. I don't want to build up his ego too much. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. Absolutely, earmuffs. No, absolutely. You have to at some point, right? I thought about it earlier. It's it's Dan Hurley, who's a little bit bigger name than than Sprinkle. He's also a little bit more high maintenance when it comes to the officials. He lost tonight, though, didn't he? They did lose tonight. They did did lose lose tonight. But like, think about it. Okay, UConn. They lost a ton from a national title team. They, they reloaded. This dude comes in, zero returning points. You know, he comes into a situation where people are picking you, what, 10th in the league? What, is that what you're preaching? It was actually 9th, but, ninth. you know. Okay, yeah. who's counting? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look at what you've got right now. You've got a chance to, again, win a league that is as good as this league has been in a decade or more. That's the thing that's amazing to me is you could say – you can put that down a little bit. You're, okay, you're fine. No, sorry. You're I, you're, I don't want you're, you're, to feel like you're getting two mics on you. No, but. no I'm, I'm good. I mean, it, this is just – this is one of the best stories in college basketball this year. It, I, it really is. And and I'm glad, you know, I was here for, for this game this year with this guy who I've known for a long time. He reminded me. I used to run a prep school event years ago. He reminded me that, that literally when I ran this prep school event, he was an assistant. Where were you then? He was at Northridge then. He rem- I don't remember him from then. So long ago, Isaiah Thomas, the play to Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Who was in the game. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was a young young guy. I had I didn't have gray hair then. Where hey, where <laughs> was that? Where did you hold that prep? That event? year, where was it? We bet outside Boston. Oh, okay. We probably in Rhode Island. I think it might have been St. Andrews in Rhode Island. Yeah. But uh no, this guy listen, I- I've said it and I'll say it again. When you talk to people in the coaching community, 
they'll say about this guy, as good a guy as it gets, but also a guy who holds his guys accountable. Like old school in some ways, yeah. but obviously you can see his relationship with the players, how you can get him to play that way. It's hard these days. It's really difficult to be able to do. It's kind of like an Izzo self type of guy who, again, going to hold you accountable, going to coach you on the court, but then can have fun with you off the court, put your arm around him. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I'm well, happy for you. I'm, I'm, it, it's cool to be here to see this. It really is. It's cool to – yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no doubt, hey, no doubt. On a personal note, huge yeah. fan of what you guys are doing, Phil, to 68. You. you guys are absolutely killing it. you got a great staff, great people Thanks. that do good work. And as a college basketball nut, yeah. it is a must-go-to. And, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Thank I mean, you. it is Thank it is you. awesome and, and yeah. great work, man. Thank you very much. You guys kind of bet on yourself a little bit. And we it's did. Cool, and it's cool to see. Yeah, we did. And, and again, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of a niche-type deal in a niche sport a little bit right now, and we cover it from start to finish, and not a lot of people do that anymore. And, yeah. and we love – not that this is mid-major. I don't think – it's definitely not mid-major when you get here. But, but some of the, the programs that don't get the coverage on ESPN, on some of the big boys, right? That, we love that. I yeah. mean, that's, that's what he knows. I, I came up covering recruiting. Like, I came up covering – the little guy. I am the little guy. So, like, for me, this means so much to be at a place like this that doesn't get the notoriety of the Dukes and Kansases and Carolinas and some of those places. There's Jeff Goodman with Scotty G. The head coach, Danny Sprinkle, his thoughts after Utah State takes down San Diego State at home. What an atmosphere. It was hard to top Boise State, but tonight. Holy moly, what, it got what, so loud. What a crazy environment yeah. tonight. It just, it was, and it's. It, got, it shows the respect to everybody in the country, and even our fans. Like, our fans are knowledgeable. They know how good San Diego State is. But, I mean, what an effort by our guys. Like, just for 40 minutes. You know, like, they came back at the end, and our guys battled back. Isaac Johnson had a huge tip. You know, Mason got two free throws. Like, it was, it was awesome. You know, Darius was phenomenal all night. Like, I mean, he just – he was aggressive, but he was under control took great shots got everybody involved and then there was probably you know i thought great was great all night but there was a probably a five six minute span in the second half where he just dominated we threw that ball into great he either drew a foul or he scored got some dunks down there and got the place rocking you mentioned great at one point scotty had to say spencer don't be afraid to chime in i was just watching him and ladie like i wasn't watching anything else i was just watching those two bodies they would meet each other at the free throw line oh. The other guy is lifted, putting his leg in the back of him and just trying to push him out. The other dude's pushing him against. You had two just bulls just battling against oh. each other the entire time. And I, I, I have to say this the right way because it's not that I've questioned his toughness. I've just wondered how tough great is. Yep. Tonight, he showed me he's as tough as anyone in this conference. I'm, no I'm serious. Like, I had, I have so much respect for him. Yep. Ladie had a great night, 23 points. But nothing came easy. It was all jumpers. I mean, great just fought and fought and fought. I don't even know if I got a question there. I just no. have to tell you, I honestly <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. I was so impressed with how he did not back down at all. It was almost like he had a chip on his shoulder he did. saying, hey, I know everyone's talking about this guy's player of the year in the conference, but hey, don't, don't, don't forget about me now. No, no question. And, and I've said it, like, and I'm not joking, like, great always thinks he's the best player on the floor. Yeah. We could go play the Lakers, and he, he, he seriously thinks that. And it's what makes him great. And uh, 
Like it makes great, great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, like you said, it was, it was literally two big old hogs down there just wrestling. <laughs> like literally, I just and I just told that's, great. I said, hey, a man, great way to say I just it. said, dude, you got it. You got to be the bigger hog tonight, man. Yep. Yeah. Like you're just literally just in a mud pit, man. And it was cool because the refs they let them play yeah, for they the did, most did. part. Yeah, like they, they did. did. And you know, I thought Ledi he like, he made seem like every jump shot. Yeah, you know, but yeah. we we contested a couple great ones, um, you know, and, and got the rebounds when we needed. But like you mentioned, I mean, great almost had a triple double tonight. You know, I, I'm just phenomenal. I know that uh, he got his points, but I did think that Khalifa did a good job putting a hand in his face on some of those jumpers. Great, the, the it was one at the end where he yep. contested yep. high, uh, and I think we got the rebound on that, and it was big because I think it was like a it might have been a three point game when he, when we did that, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, we talk about it now. I mean, just think, I like, back to mid-April last year, if you would have told me we're going to beat a team that just played for the national championship, I'd have told you you're crazy. Yeah. You know, but this this ragtag bunch, man, like, they just, they love each other. They play for each other. And, like, that, it goes so far in this game, you know, when you have that type of chemistry and, and it's genuine where, like, teammates are rooting for each other. What's it like when you have – you know, Jeff Goodman, who covers, carries yeah. a really big voice. And you got Lenardi and everybody else. And, and the attention is coming on this program. And you don't shy away from it. No. You want your guys to enjoy it, but also keep that one game. But you do get the sense that something special is really building here. And it's got to be fun to be a part of it. I know you're laser focused yeah. on game to game. But, my goodness, this is – to be a part of this, I haven't really felt like this since maybe that Nevada game when Sam – uh, you know, when uh, Jordan Caroline and, and, and yeah. those guys. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of atmosphere you had in this game tonight. And to be a part of it, you have to turn around and be like, this is this is just incredible. It, it is. like, And I've said it before, like, it's an honor to coach here. And, like, I mean, when it gets loud, sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm actually the head coach here. Like, this is, <laughs> like 360 head coaches total in the country, nobody has environments like this. Like, how fortunate, like, literally, that I'm thankful. Like, when the place is rocking half time, I should probably be thinking about what play to run. But I'm just like, oh, my gosh. This like, is awesome. This is this is what you dream about when yeah. you're little. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's absolutely awesome. And, I mean, the spectrum, it's literally worth six, seven points every game. Yeah. I, uh, I want to go back, though. You know, Isaac's had – it's been up yeah. and down. It's been crazy. You have the crazy possession where the ball gets knocked in the backcourt. Ian's got to throw up a prayer. It's only a one-point game at that point. Yes. They've got all the momentum. I think they're on a 7-0 run at that point. And to Isaac to have box out, have position, get the put back, and and then Darius hits the three at the other end, or, you know, on Huge, the back yeah. on the other possession. But you, you look at individual moments like that. That Isaac tip ins absolutely critical for it's this game. Probably the most critical. You know, yeah. and he tipped it twice. Like, it was a multiple effort deal. It wasn't like he just tipped it and stopped. Like, he kept – then he got it and scored that thing again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just really proud of him. You know, I mean, he's been uh, – you know, he, he's been going through it the past couple games. But just – he's a sophomore. You know? Yeah. He just is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just really proud of him. Well, one thing – and what was your thought coming into this game? Because it felt like, look, Wyoming, you guys battled. Colorado State was a tough game. It's yeah. a tough environment. You guys got blown out. There was a little bit of question in my mind, hey, which team's going to show up? Yeah. Are they going to show up with energy? I mean, I don't know if you question that in your mind, but there was no doubt from the first possession these guys were on it. They, they were. I thought our energy was great. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like a response after the Nevada game. Yeah. We played Boise. Like, like this group had a point to prove, you know. And I know they were disappointed. 
And like I said, you got to give Colorado State credit. Like they had great energy and they 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 kicked our butts. And uh, but I told the guys it doesn't matter if you lose by thirty or lose by one. Yeah. It does, like a loss is a loss. Colorado State hasn't lost a home game this year, so we didn't lose anything in the standings with yeah. that game. And so I said it's going to come down to you know we we got to show the conference what we're about. Well, you got to show yourselves again what we're about because um, it's it's big boy basketball. You uh, uh, this is your third game in six days. Yeah. Three really physical, two of them on the road. You spent a ton of time in Wyoming and, yeah. and Fort Collins, and now you have a little bit of a break. But for your guys, you talked about being aggressive offensively. You were aggressive right out of the gate yep. offensively. You guys went toe-to-toe from a physicality standpoint. Just how proud of you are your guys when they could have been like, we're tired, we're worn out, the schedule makers really did us a dirty on this yeah. one. But they were the aggressors. You know, you always say it. Aggressors always win. Aggressors and you were no doubt, you were the aggressors in this game tonight. No no question. And like I said, it started with the very first play. You know, we put in a new set to get Ian coming off a pin down. Uh, and he attacked the rim and finished. Which and was nice, yeah. Yeah, but it's great. But, it, like, that's what we wanted, that force going downhill. And, uh, you know, and Ian, you know, obviously, he was 2'11". We know he's way better than that. But it uh, – like, he set the tone with him handling the ball, too. Yeah. You know, like, a lot of people just look at the shooting numbers, but he did a pretty good job handling the handling the pressure when, you know, when the ball wasn't in Darius's hands. Well, you got about two and a half hours to enjoy it. Hey, uh, well, you got we, more we than have, that. We have you a got, bias. like, three days. Uh, you got oh, three hey, days. We're doing a day and a half. I'll a get, day I'll and a half. I love it. Tomorrow night. New, you got till noon tomorrow, right? <laughs> exactly. There you exactly. go. Hey, Coach. The fans can enjoy this for a long time, though. Yeah, rent, rent is due a little later tomorrow. No doubt. How about that? No doubt. Coach, congratulations. Hey, Thank you, guys. There's Utah State coach Danny Sprinkle, the Aggies, all alone in first place in the Mountain West Conference. They beat a nationally ranked San Diego State team at home. BYU beats a nationally ranked Baylor team at home. We'll hear from the Cougars next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by America First Credit Union. Get the official debit cards of the Utah Jazz, University of Utah Sports, Real Salt Lake, and more exclusively at America First Credit Union. The Cougars with a big win at home. They take down Baylor. Here's Baylor coach Scott Drew along with Jalen Bridges. They deserve the win. We didn't deserve it. Um, and we're all disappointed by our rebounding performance. Um, uh, God's given us a great platform. It's great for people to see Big 12 basketball. Um, we're, we're a tougher team than we showed tonight. and that, that, that We're all disappointed by that. Uh, offensively, I think their defense did a good job. And... Um, it's evident because we didn't. We only had eight assists, and when we're at our best, we're we're close to twenty. So uh, um, credit them for that. Comes true. Um, when when you look at like your three point shooting, typically that's the strength of your team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you started three to three from the three point line, but only made two three pointers over the final twenty six or uh, thirty six minutes again. What what kind of went wrong there? What, I think I think our shot selection. I think we, we, we took great shots early. We didn't take as good of shots later. Credit their defense for forcing that. Um, uh, I got to do a better job coaching and getting our guys to uh, uh, work it more and get better looks. Coach, it seems like there's a recipe for success in this league. You win at home and the road is just kind of a crapshoot. Do you agree with that assessment of how this league's playing out so far? Yeah, that's that's normally what the Big 12 is about. Um, the fans are and atmospheres are really good. Players are really good. Coaches are really good. Um, when I came in the league 21 years ago, Roy Williams said it's the toughest league to win on the road. And I think he's been accurate with that. 
going going back to the second chance points, uh, were you surprised at how aggressive BYU was in crashing the offensive glass? Kind of expect. I, w- I was more surprised uh, uh, with our performance. I mean, that's that's something that we we pride ourselves on. We work hard on, and uh, it's, that's that's really disappointing. Jalen, I, I think you put twenty five on him in Waco, and you had another great night tonight. What, what is it about BYU, or were you just looking looking to be more aggressive tonight? Um, I would say it's just my teammates. You know, they find me when I'm open. They hit me in transition, you know, I just really play off our guards and, you know, I'm just blessed to have great guards like them that give me shots, give me easy looks. How did this kind of environment compare to what you what you see on the road in the Big 12 and other venues? I mean, it's, it's cra- it was rocking in here. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's, it's right up there with the Texas Tech and the Kansas, honestly, being honest. Anything else? think our performance game a lot cheer for too so there are the Baylor Bears after they fall at the Marriott Center and now here's head coach Mark Pope with Jackson Robinson who hit a big three at the end of the game and Ali Khalifa who was knocking down threes all night long and threw some as he usually does some awfully good passes racked up some impressive assists here they are after the Cougars win uh, it was a good team win um, I feel like we really stepped up especially from last game uh, we didn't get the results we wanted, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think we did an amazing job holding them to 37 in the first half, 34 in the second. So um, that was a big emphasis going into this game. I think we did a really good job of it. Then Ollie would like to add something. Um, <clears throat> like Jack said, just our emphasis. <laughs> right. Our episode. That's exactly what Jack says. Like if you go second, all you do is repeat the first guy. Think <laughs> of something creative and new. Yeah, our emphasis on defense uh, was great before the game. Uh, energy, energy practice yesterday was was really good, especially on the defensive side. And that was our focus, just to be back being us on defense, and we showed it tonight. It's a great team Sweet. win, and it's great to have some of the guys back. Like Marcus, um, he been going through a lot, and um, it was good to have him back on the bench and with the team. And he was bringing energy today on the bench, and it was great. So it was a great win. So looking at the second chance points offensive glass. You guys had 16 offensive rebounds. You outscored them 24 in second chance points. How, how much did just attacking the glass early and often kind of energize your team and allow you to recover from a slow start on offense in the first half? How did you guys feel? Do you have any thoughts on that? I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I, I felt really good about the game early on. We're down 08, and I'm like, we're okay. Because we were getting second, second chance opportunities every time. We were getting up shots that we like. And so our energy, even though the score on the board wasn't exactly the way we wanted to start the game, like our energy was really good. Clearly the building was incredible. But our guys' energy and their focus on wedging was really good. And for us to follow up an 18 offensive rebound team with a 16 offensive rebound game, that speaks to where our guys' energy is right now. So it, it's really settling. We believe that make or miss shots, we're going to be fine as long as we're really crushing the offensive glass because it gives us second opportunity. These guys were incredible that way tonight. Jackson, uh, how much did the coaches just get on you guys after the defensive effort? Uh, second half against UCF and then the game against uh, Oklahoma State. Um, honestly, I don't think it took much from the coaches. Uh, it was a whole team thing. Uh, we came together and we knew it was unacceptable the way that we had shown up on the defensive end the last two games. Um, so 
made a big emphasis, like always said, we came into practice the day before the game and had a tremendous practice. Um, and it showed tonight. Everybody was well prepared, um, went over the scout really well, and I think we did a great job in, in every scheme. So. It was. I'll add to that just so you have this. So, a couple of really special moments. First of all, Coach Fennell, um, you know, it, it did an unbelievable job preparing the guys for this game. And two, um, yesterday at practice, two things really stood out to me. One was we were going to, th- to different drills a couple times, and the guys had great energy. And I blew the whistle, was trying to switch on, and twice Trevor Nell said, "No, we got to do one more and get it right." And then Jackson Robinson probably had the best practice he's had. I'm going to say in his lifetime, but I can't really say that because I've been there. But just the force that he is playing with, and you saw it out on the court today, like he's taking a massive jump that's super exciting too. And it's it, it, Jackson's exactly right. It's the leadership from inside the team that responded to this. It, that's what it is. It's inside these players, and it's pretty cool, man, to witness and, and watch as a coach. And thoughts too on, on Jackson's performance locking up with Jacoby Walter. Yeah, you know, Jack's, Jack's had a lot of, he had a lot on his shoulders today. Um, I thought our, everybody on the perimeter was really excellent. I thought Jax was absolutely terrific using his length. Um, you know, probably my favorite play of Jax's uh, today, you know what it was? You know what it was. Yeah. Was a next play block. Uh, you know, we had a, a mess up on the offensive end, and, and we didn't, there was a lag-free reaction, meaning we just continued playing. And Jack raced back and made an unbelievable play in the air, like a pro-level defensive play in the air, um, just being engaged in the game. There, we weren't worried about what just happened five seconds ago. It was super special. Uh, but I thought he was great on um, the defensive end and clearly made a couple of massive shots on the offense. Coach well, Jack, what has it been about your um, offensive game the past couple of, day, uh, past couple of games? Such out against Kansas State, UCF, and now the man against Baylor to beat you guys in the uh, like Coach has been emphasizing, just making sure I'm playing on my heels. Or on my toes, sorry, not my heels. <laughs> like, wait, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> on my toes. These um, kids never listen. <laughs> but my teammates have done a great job of just uh, instilling confidence in me and making sure that I'm staying aggressive. Um, whether the shot's falling in the moment or not, they have all the confidence in me, and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and in big moments, I've been able to hit some big shots, so... I can't do anything but praise my teammates for that. Ali, you had seven, seven and zero tonight. What was it about this matchup that just made the, the offense work for you and, and teams as a whole? I was just being more aggressive. I feel like teams have been pressuring me a lot. I'm just trying to figure out how to be effective on offense still while they pressure me. I feel today I was just aggressive getting inside the three-point line. We've been emphasizing this with Coach Pope and the bigs. Um, yeah, just being more aggressive and guys were cutting wide open because people were scared of us shooting threes. So we were getting wide open layups, and I was just, all I needed to do was just to pass the ball to them. Ollie wouldn't say this. Just pass the ball, bro. Come on, lie it down. Ollie Ollie wouldn't say this, but it's probably the first day that he's actually felt like a real human being after being so sick. So he's, that's a big part of it, too. You had a stretch there where you guys weren't getting to your, you said you were out of your 33s per game. Last two games, you've gotten to that mark. Has it been something you've changed offensively? What's allowed you to get to the... You know, so much of it, this is a player-run team, man. You know, we're blessed with guys that know what they're trying to do, how to do it. What I was really proud of today, for example, was we we were we are 08 and they were 13-8. You know, 08 and then 8-13 and we're kind of... And then the guys, like, their response was to go faster and to be more aggressive and to get passes and get stops and get out and transition. And, and when our response to adversity is to be more assertive... Um, like mindful, like it's still seven turnovers in the game, like really 
like solidly assertive. That's how it felt in this gym tonight. It felt like the guy's answer to like things not going right was like, we're gonna just, we're gonna wedge every time. We're gonna cross the offensive glass and we're gonna go hard and transition. And, and that's really the answer. And we're gonna cut hard all game long and be really creative and screen. And, and so it's, it's our guy's mentality um, that's pretty special that's kind of carried the day for us is these guys. Going back to the perimeter defense, Baylor started three of three from three point range, but over the final 34 minutes of the yeah. game, they only made two three pointers. Yeah. What did you do to uh, yeah, you know, we kind of, it was, it was like, I know, I know Noah, you know, gave up that first corner three, and I know that he just was like, ah, this is all I'm thinking about is being there on the catch. And we just kind of had to, like, once we got through the first five minutes, and our guys started kind of trusting what we do. Uh, you know, like the plays that won't mean anything to anybody in the world but mean something to me is, you know, early in the second half, Dallin Hall finally sold out on a bottom rotation. And, and a huge emphasis was being there on the catch. And so it's like pulling you in two different directions. Your assignment is to make a rotation, a long rotation, right? But your assignment is also to, like, be there before your man receives the ball. And so trusting that we can do both was really important. And that was a really special play for Dallas. So, so I think what happened after the first five minutes, our guy, I really think this, I mean, these guys probably think I'm full of it, but, but our guys started saying, you know, we're going to trust the way we do this. We're going to trust that we can actually do what we do. And for 35 minutes, they were really, really good, man. Really good. Two more questions. Threes tonight, most in, most in the Big 12 game for you guys, what, what changed uh, offensively for, for the three to open up and have that success? Sorry, we repeat the question. Just 14, threes tonight. <laughs> 14 threes tonight, most of the Big 12 game for you guys. What was working from three tonight compared to recent games? Uh, just staying aggressive. Um, it goes back to Coach talking about us being on our toes, uh, getting downhill, looking for the open man, playing off two feet, uh, just little things like that. And that always makes it easier to have him on the court. So um, big praise to Ali for making sure he's finding the open man. Jackson, this is the highest ranked team you guys have beaten this year. Obviously, Iowa State was number six when you beat them. But what kind of statement does this win uh, make to the rest of the country? Um, that we can compete with anybody. Um, but, you know, at the same time, our locker room knows that this is only one win and we got a whole bunch more left in us in the season. So uh, just look, moving on to the next game and being happy for this one. But after tomorrow, we got to move on for – Whoever we play next. Okay, BYU and Utah State with big wins at home. We'll have more next. What is trending on the way? Stay with us. It's time to get your morning started with the news you need to know. News update. This is what's trending with DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. A good team win. I feel like we really stepped up, especially from last game. We didn't get the results we wanted, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think we did an amazing job holding the 37 in the first half, 34 in the second. That was a big emphasis going into this game, and I think we did a really good job of it. Osmore in the post, puts the shot up, no good. Tip to Brown. Brown at the three. Yes! It's the three. What a shot. This place has gone nuts. 64-58. BYU and Utah State both take down nationally ranked teams at home. The Cougars beat 11th ranked Baylor 78 71. 
Ali Khalifa leading the way with 14 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. And the Aggies beat 19th-ranked San Diego State, 68-63. Great Osibor with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. PK, raucous atmospheres, big wins. What more could local fans ask for? So it's funny this time of year because these are big games and they both won. It's a great environment. And then in a month, they're all going to be sad. <laughs> Put 68 teams in the tournament and 67 of them are going home with a loss. Yeah. And so they're going to be – and it's so abrupt. You know, you're on such, uh, such a high. Hi. And they were last night. And it was fun for them to be all excited and, and to beat and rank teams. And you couldn't ask for more. And, and you had the night. There was no NBA. So outside of uh, Creighton beating UConn, you know, these two teams uh, winning, you can argue, were the best wins in the country. And it's a big, big deal. And then you know it in, in just about a month, if not less, it's going to come crashing down. Yep. But it was great for that night. Sure. Hope springs eternal. No doubt about it. It was great. Even if there's a whole format here designed to slap down a bunch of really good teams. Yeah. It's just uh, what what level, you know. Obviously, oh, yeah. if these two teams lose in the first round, it would be a bitter disappointment. Sure. San Diego State got all the way to the title game and lost it last year. But that's Still not end a, that's, on a loss. That's not a bitter disappointment. No, it's not. No, it's not. And a game you referenced, 15th-ranked Creighton blew out number one UConn, 85-66. Former Utah State guard Stephen Ashworth, 20 points, hit a bunch of three-pointers in that game. One of them was really deep, and he was screaming at the crowd and having a good time himself. Think he would have stayed if he would have known this good? That's an excellent question. You know, it's the, Zero the, points coming back, and don't be the last guy left. Well, I love your fandom. What? Cash, buddy, cash. Oh, well, that's why you go. Yeah. <laughs> Creighton's put the, the I was say, was like, there was, a, there was an back. overarching yeah. uh, incentive. They could have had 5,000 points coming back. He was going to get paid more to go, go there. To Creighton. Yep. <laughs> DJ PK. Hashtag NBA. I've seen the trend for years. What's the trend? The trend is always making excuses. Get Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. It's hard. We get it. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it. Mm-hmm. But it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his players. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. And then you look at his quotes over the weekend. Now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade to the Clippers working out. He wants credit for that. There's just no, there's never accountability with that guy. Well, there's never accountability. That's J.J. Reddick criticizing his former coach, Doc Rivers. Patrick Beverly has pushed back. Two ex-players now in the media. How good a job is Doc doing? The man Doc actually saved your career, started you when no one else wanted to, and you retired to go on TV and say that. Have at it, guys. Patrick Beverly is now in the media? Yeah, can you believe it? Well, yeah, I think he is. Bunch of podcasts and whatnot, yeah. yeah. Oh, then the world is in the media then. Yes. Will Doc get the bucks together? Or will people just argue back and forth and they'll struggle on? I mean, I consider a player who's an active player. Isn't he still an active player? I don't think they're in the media. But... Doc's lost 7 out of 10. Why can't they win in Milwaukee? They've got a couple of stars. Why can't they pull it together? Uh, this is February. 
Brooklyn Nets GM Sean Marks said yesterday the decision to fire head coach Jacques Vaughn was not because of a single event. When asked for specifics on what led to Vaughn's firing, Marks pointed to a lack of energy and effort plays that equate to winning basketball that interim coach Kevin Ollie will hope to instill. The Nets currently 11th in the East, 12 games under 500. Haven't done much in the 15 years since Jason Quid, Jason Kidd led them to the best run of their existence. At least their NBA existence. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Atlanta Falcons are looking for a quarterback. They're looking for a long-term starter. Their GM, Terry Fontenot, says prioritizing the quarterback position and finding the solution is their number one goal now. Desmond Ritter's been the starter there, but he's not long, long-term. So who's the guy? He says, we're not going to close any doors, be it trades, free agency, the draft. We'll make sure we keep an open mind there. We're going to attack it and make sure we get it right. Good goal, often easier said than done. Missouri prosecutors said yesterday two adults have been charged with murder in last week's mass shooting that killed one person and injured 22 others near the end of the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade. These arrests are in addition to the two juveniles taken into custody at the scene. Patriot special teams ace Matthew Slater is retired after 16 years in the NFL and a record 10 Pro Bowl appearances. Bill Belichick called Slater the best special teams player in NFL history. Said he felt fortunate to coach players who he believed were the greatest offensive player ever, Tom Brady, the greatest defensive player ever, Lawrence Taylor, and special teams player Slater. In the history of the game, he's had the best. I guess we can argue about offensive and defensive players, but can you argue about a special teams player, PK? Who is it? <laughs> Matthew Slater. Oh. No. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Do they transfer more than they did 10 years ago? Yes. Do they transfer more than their peers who aren't student athletes? No. One of the things I hear from kids when I talk to them about this issue is coaches walk out on their contracts. What about us? It's been three, four years now that the NCAA has been asking Congress for help. What's plan B if Congress doesn't help? I do think some of these issues Congress will need to deal with at some point just to create clarity. Um, there, there really isn't a path forward here. Even if you go, even if the court decisions are only permanent for as long as someone doesn't challenge one of them, right? So even if you head down that road, at the end, you're still going to need something to get done somewhere along the lines that actually says, this is how this framework should work. And that's got to come, that's ultimately got to come from Congress. That's NCAA President Charlie Baker looking for congressional help. In the meantime, players will be transferring, sometimes every year. That coaches walk out on their contracts, what about us? Doesn't seem like anything is changing. Coaches and players will be moving. Congress doesn't seem in a hurry to do anything, so this is, this is the way college sports works for the foreseeable future. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Boston Red Sox standout Rafael Devers expressed frustration about the franchise not making moves to improve the roster. 
They need to make an adjustment to help us players to be in a better position to win. We as players want to win. I think we need... I think we need to make an adjustment to help us win. They need to be conscious of what the team's weaknesses are and what we need. More pitching, PK. More hitting and more fielding, and then you got it. That's it. That's all that's left. That'll cover everything. The Red Sox not really a factor last year under 500. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. I think people are, are really fired up for it. It's obviously exciting to get the season going again, and I think, you know, the opponent's given everyone a little bit of extra motivation for sure. RSL opens the season tonight at Miami. Messi and friends. RSL was really good on the road last year. There is uh, a change about new systems and all that, and younger guys getting bigger roles. Diego Luna, more is expected out of him. More expected out of uh, Andres Gomez. Pablo Ruiz will be back. He was injured at the end of the last season. But his knee's better, and he is expected to start uh, in the number 10 role. Won't stay there, but until Matt Crooks is able to play, he'll Hell's be the number, the number 10. the number 10 role? The number 10 role. <laughs> you are in the middle of the field, it's in the attack, underneath the goal scorer. <laughs> Everything runs through you. It's a niche sport, buddy. Don't assume people know what you're talking about. Pre-game at 5. Game kicks off tonight at 6. You can listen to it here on The Zone. What is trending? There it is. Coming up, Tim Lacombe's going to join us at 8.30. Talk about the big basketball wins. The question of the day is next. For all you Aggie and Cougar fans, stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... This is JJ and Alex. Joining us right now, collegefootballnews.com. He is Pete Futak. Pete, what's going on, man? Give me the superpower team you're really freaked out about in the Big 12. There isn't one, which is why, you know, Utah is probably one of the favorites right now. Arizona is one of the favorites, Oklahoma State. One of those teams is going to get in the college football playoff. So it's just going to make the regular season that much bigger because now it's not just up to a panel of judges to come up with four teams. Top five ranked conference champions get in, seven at large. It's fine. You know, they're a little cookie to the group of five program champions, and they get their say in there. And then you get other teams, you know, who like an FSU of last year might get their moment and get in the playoff and, you know, do what they can do. It's just going to make numbers that much bigger. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Hot Takes Your Toes brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen with 30 years of serving Utah. All-star break. Almost over. Jazz will play tomorrow night. What is your level of patience for the Jazz rebuild? Question of the morning. And fans are all over the board on this. Gary, my patience is like a gift card balance. I never know how much is left until I try to use it. Eric, he knows exactly how much is left. It's hard to stay invested when the front office makes moves specifically to make the team lose more games. Not a big fan of the moves at the trade deadline. I can buy that, yeah. I mean, you you think that the goal is to win when it's not the short-term goal. It's more of the long-term goal. So in the short term, you have a level of frustration because this is a team that maybe could have been in the playoff. And maybe it still can be. You can't completely rule it out mathematically for sure. They've got plenty of opportunities to get back in. But I think there's no question that the team isn't as good as it was right before the trades. 
John, we had winning players and chemistry with Olenek and Fontecchio. Now, they aren't fun to watch. They weren't going to be champs, but they were a great product. They weren't fun to watch, or they were fun to watch, and now they're not fun to watch? What is he saying? Now they aren't fun to watch. Oh, okay. He's saying they weren't going to be champs, but they were a great product. I mean, that game, uh, the last game before the break was pretty fun to watch. That was entertaining against the Warriors, yes. Yeah. So. Hmm. Scott says it's going to take a while. Hopefully, there are some fun moments in the meantime. Well, you can have fun moments, but it doesn't necessarily equal winning moments. And what's your definition of fun? In order to have fun, do you have to win? For some people, the answer is yes. And for them, there's going to not be necessarily as many moments. Now, you could still have fun. We just cited the very most recent game. Well, they didn't win that ball game, but it was certainly, from my perspective, a fun game to watch. Uh, and the final analysis for me, though, whether you win or lose has no bearing on my life whatsoever. It, it used to be when I was younger and trying to make my mark in radio, I passionately rooted for those teams to win. Well, it doesn't matter anymore. The facts are, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to have a job either way. So when I was rooting for them to win, it was completely and totally self-serving. Although, I have to say, Ingles helped me blur those lines. I became a, more of a fan at that time. Uh, it was a short, when you think about it, you know, compared to the statues, it was a short run. Uh, now, you know, I want to see them win because my f- I've got neighbors and friends and so forth. And it's still more fun to talk about winning teams, but I don't really feel it personally. But if that's who you are, then you may not have as many good times if you define fun as winning. And I understand that. Some people want to see the stars. Some people want... The competition and the thrill. Some people want the W's. And some people just want the W's at home when they're there. I find that interesting that people get really revved up about that. The team maybe isn't good on the road. You know, this team obviously has had major struggles on the road. But if people go out for that night and win, I mean, we've seen we've seen the arena go nuts. Yeah, but that's and, just a singular time, though. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I would think that if you really want them to win, you want them to win, regardless of where they're playing. If you're a fan... You just say, well, I'm not going to the game, so I don't really care. I think you would have a hard time generating emotion while I'm going to the game, so I really care. Colin says, let's just say I regret spending money on Jazz Plus. I don't know what that's about, so I can't speak to that. I haven't spent any money. I don't buy anything. Nothing that's extra. So I don't have any subscriptions to any... uh, periodicals or any of that stuff. Uh, I just don't be... To me, there's no need. Pay for the cable or satellite, watch the games, and you're good yeah. to go. Well, it's, it's the same thing with news organizations. If the news is that big, it's going to show up for free. It's just the unfortunate situation. And then the editorials. Well, the editorials, I really know what you think before you write them. You've been writing the same ones, essentially, or you've been drawing the same cartoons, essentially, for 25 years. So I'll pass on that. (laughs) So I already know what you think. So there's really no point in that. And the latest hubbub that lasts a few days, you get all worked up and all blathered and lathered about it. And then next week, there'll be something else. (laughs) Chris says, I'm not worried about my patients. There's not much left. I'm more worried about Lowry and Keontae. Some legends are close to the end of their runs. It'd be nice if we filled that void. Well, what does that mean? If Keontae's a legend, he's... No, I think he's talking... 
that's how I read it at first, too. I think he's talking about the Warriors and the Lakers and their stars are older, so be the team that fills the void, and instead it's Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Uh, you don't know about Jason it. Denver. You can't pret- uh You can't know what's going to happen in three stuff. years in yeah. pro sports. You know, so you just got to... You got to do what you can do to build your team, to build your franchise, and I don't think that you are at that point where you're worrying about somebody else. You know, you can get it in the '80s. The Lakers would build for the Celtics, and then that little run in the '90s, the Jazz knew they had to watch out what the Bulls were doing. But that that's very rare. You want to get in that position because that's awesome if you can get there for sure. What's your level of patience for the Jazz rebuild? And some people don't want to participate. Kevin, well, I guess if Danny wanted my opinion, he would call me. Danny Ainge just dialing the Brandon Jazz fans. Uh, you got some more no, patience? No, but if you're a Should fan, I... you have the right to voice your opinion. That's what this outlet is for. And it's one of the reasons why it's good. You can call us up. You can get on the on the whatever social media form you want to do. So your opinion no, I, mean, I don't think they're going to be worried about that. The old line, if you're worried about the fans, the next thing you'll be sitting with them and all that stuff. But that's that's they're over there doing their thing. As fans, you have the uh, right, I believe. There's this Ute fan uh, that has, I don't want to say come after me, but hit me up a couple times, well, probably, I don't know, five, six, seven times over the years. And a guy is a hardcore fan. And I told him, I said, listen, as long as you sign your name to it, I want to hear from you. If you've got a criticism of me and you're not just going, uh, you're a jerk, die, I hope you die or something stupid like that. You have a, a valid point you want to make and you put your name to it. I will answer it. You can send me an email. I will answer it. If it's a valid thing. No, so I think that's what they do have. A right to, if you have put your time and money and your passion and your interest and all that stuff into it, I want to hear from those people. Not the dumb takes, but the realistic ones. And the, and it's not just some fake name, what have you. Well, Kevin put his name on this. He says it's kind of a silly question. Patience doesn't matter because we as fans have no recourse. If we lose patient patience, we can't put the jazz management in a timeout like we can with children. I guess if you lose patience, you can stop being a jazz fan. Right. Kind of like, I'm taking my ball and going home. So he's just contradicting himself right but there. No, but nobody cares. That's not true. That is not true. One of the reasons Chris Hill made a change from Ron McBride and then obviously uh, Urban Meyer was mm. the declining interest in the program. Empty seats, tickets not getting renewed. Yeah. And that's the thing with and the I Jazz. Think same thing with Christobiak. But the people that have opted out of the Jazz have always been been replaced by somebody else willing to buy the tickets. Okay. Well, that because they've won enough. They, they haven't gone on a 10 winning. year playoff drought like the Suns. They haven't gone on a 14 year playoff drought like the Warriors or the Kings or the Clippers. They've never had that. Their worst stretch was they missed the playoffs five out of six years. And the one year they were in, they were strapped. They were uh, swept. That was their, their worst stretch. Okay, and that's not good. But it's nothing it's not compared 10. to the other ones. It's not 10. It does. It piles up. Having rooted for a team that's done that in another sport, it does. It feels like when you have eight, it doesn't feel like just one season. It feels like never. 
and then you have nine. It feels like never. Now the truth is, you're only two or three away, two three years away from breaking it, but you you can lose hope. Yeah, but you don't know. Uh, you, you don't are. know it, right? You don't know it. I mean, you could be one pick away from breaking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one off season anyway, depending on what happens. I can tell you this: for ten years, nobody in the fam in Phoenix. Asked me if I could set them up when the Jazz came to town. Yeah, <laughs> got real quiet for that decade, this year, huh? Three times. Oh, really? And they only played twice. Yeah, doubling up. You were there when one of them was. Yeah, yeah. And why is that? <laughs> Not because I desperately want to see the Jazz. No, it's because they drafted Devin Booker and then they got Kevin Durant. Right. And there we go. And they made the big trade for Beal, and they there's did. high expectations. So that 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 speaks to it. You can have that situation, but they've never really had that here. It's been managed by and large. It's been managed well. And the thing that I like, each time they've gone into the rebuild, they've gone in it, and they've had a plan. And it wasn't re- change the plan and redo the plan three times. And in four years, you have five coaches counting an interim. Ooh, that's rough. Right. That is the rough part right yeah, there. Yeah, they haven't done that. Greg, the re- rebuilding for the last 25 years. Oh, that's not true. I mean, in a sense, then everybody has. You're, you're constantly building. You're never not building. In the college and pro level, you are constantly building. It doesn't matter if you go... 15-0 and 0 in football. You're still building. You're always building. Aaron says he's been waiting since the end of 1998. I'll be waiting forever. If they miss the playoffs this year, this will be the 10th time they've missed the playoffs in 21 years since Stockton and Malone retired. Now, you can argue part of that is, well, Jazz fans got spoiled and the law of numbers. Yeah, well, go you- talk to Chicago Bulls fans. Yeah. <laughs> How long they've been waiting also, since that exact time frame? Also spoiled, also spoiled by six titles in eight years. Those were the good old days. Right, but those are getting a long ways away now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a whole generation of Bulls fans who are like their their parents tell them about that, but they don't they don't know. They didn't live it. Thirty year old thirty year old Bulls and Jazz fans don't remember the ninety eight uh, the ninety eight finals. Jay-Z and Ainge have had a year and a half, and they've only made this team worse. We've all heard the, it'll get worse before it gets better, cliche. However, there's no better in this scenario. We've gone from competitive to bad to worse, Steve says. Yeah. Well, that's the decision that they made. I, I think you have to weigh it against what would have happened if they didn't trade the two All-Stars. Because that's the comparison. So where would we be now? Donovan would be on social media and somebody in Timbuktu, Utah would have taken a shot at him and he would have been gassed and exhausted. Fortunately, in Cleveland, every single person agrees with everything he says at all times. Cool. (laughs) Everybody go to Cleveland right now. Right. And and they're good for them. They're winning and and but I don't know that he's. I haven't followed it. I don't follow him on Twitter or any of that stuff. I don't do any of that. But I don't know that if he's been as active on social media in terms of what we would consider social justice, whether you agree with him or not. 
That's not the point whether you agree with him. Uh, as I certainly agree with his right to do whatever he wants to do as far as his desire to speak his mind. I mean, you can't just say, I agree with you, so therefore I support you. You have to either support the right to do it or you don't. Uh, and they're winning. They're second in the East right now. But is he going to leave? And so would you want that drawn out? And would those two— No, Jazz I mean, fans would dread that. They constantly told us that they got along, got along, got along. But the 400th time you tell me makes me realize, well, there's something there. Because you wouldn't <laughs> keep telling me that it's the stuff isn't true. It would just speak for itself. Truth speaks for itself. You don't have to convince people of truth. What about the scenario where they move Donovan because they know he wants to go to New York and they know he's going to leave one day and they don't want to lose him for nothing and they want to get something for him, so they move him, but they bring somebody back that they can put around Rudy because Rudy seemed content to well, stay. Well, that was marketing. They already did that. And so... They could have had that. that would, that's who it would be. It's, a, it's not a... Uh, what would the, the team look like? Is would, how would the team look like with marketing and Rudy? Go down that path. It's just impossible to say, and then they could have kept Bogdanovich. My first instinct would be they'd be far more competitive than they are now. Yes. But would they be championship caliber or still hamstrung? Uh, yeah, what is hamstrung, though? Stuck in the 4-5 uh, series going out in the second round. Okay, doesn't 4-5 series going out then. in the second round look pretty good right now? Uh, it's certainly better than this, but you <laughs> want but you want hope of a title, and there would be, at some point, frustration with that. Why can't these guys why? get to the next level? What? Because people want to talk. I know, yeah, but no, 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 not, not why is their frustration? Why is the why are you guaranteed me they'd be stuck in that? Obviously, people want a title. That wasn't the the why wasn't directed towards that. Why would I naturally assume that they'd be stuck in the four five? Because other teams have better players, and Ainge had the same situation, mm-hmm. and he got Garnett and Ray Allen. And they were going nowhere. They were stuck. Other teams had better players, but yet he flipped cards and ended up with a winning hand. So why couldn't he have done it here? Possibly he could have. Right. So again, why would I assume that they're stuck in the four five? I think because that's probably what he thought. Because if he thought he could have done it, he would have done it. There'd be less pain with that than what they're doing right now. I can't speak for what he thought. I have no idea what he thought. He rarely speaks. He does. He rarely speaks. I don't know what he thinks either. But I think from the outside looking in, that's the most I don't know. Logical guess. And you're a Although logical it is guy. A guess. Logic is a big thing for you. Yes. I have no idea. And I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying I don't know. I can't surmise anything. He rarely speaks. He'll pat he said hello to me and patted me on the shoulder last time I saw him. And gone. Yeah. <laughs> hello. Yeah. I'm out. And that's the way he wants to do it, and that was part of the reason the deal is part of the job. Is Jay Z gets up there and fine. I don't really care about what he says. I care about what he does. Draft a star, trade for a star, move it along. Yeah, but if you you do not, there's no way you draft a star. Okay, because we were just talking about the Suns and Devin Booker's a star, and they drafted him, a future star, but not a star. Devin Booker went five friggin' years without getting even getting into the postseason. Yep. Maybe four. Man, eh, but that's the point. The point is yeah. the point is when you're drafting 19-year-olds, 
their ability to come in and dominate in the NBA, right. not good. Magic Johnson, outlier. Well, there's a few. Yeah. And they're just, that's all they are. Outliers. Uh, but even he played two years of college ball. Yep. And that's unheard of. And yeah, he was an all-timer. Sure. Uh, but think about it. How many sophomores in college ball could dominate in the NBA that very season? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> there were two guys who are projected, we'll see how it works out, as uh, first-round draft picks on Baylor's team last night, and they couldn't dominate in a college game. Why right. in the world would they come in and right. dominate in an NBA game? Doesn't make any sense. So if they're going to go through the draft, you have two choices. Settle in with patience or get out. Doug says three more years. Okay. That that's a decent amount of time. They if they're not better, if they're not in the playoff in three more years, then this has been a failure. That'd be five years without the playoffs. Exactly. And currently there's only one team in the NBA that has suffered through that. And you said that the most they've ever gone was five years? Uh it was, was four it? and five out of six. Okay, so the most they've ever gone was four. Yes, after the after the Dwell Boozer era, mm-hmm. they missed one. They went and they got swept by the Spurs as an eight seed, and then they had four years in a row they missed before they, they had the Gordon Hayward, okay, uh, Joe Johnson, Rudy Gobert Clipper series, and that that's a won. decent timeline. They it's different people. They did have a change in there from Kevin to Dennis, and they also hey. had a team with a winning record that didn't make the playoffs. But there's a change from them to now the leadership is yes uh, completely overhauled yes everything ownership front office yeah but that i think if three more years if you're willing to give them three more years i can see it It seems like a long time though (laughs) when you're going through it it does Uh, but in you know and i'd have to investigate that discover the timeline in terms of progression in those non-playoff years. So if you got to, so we're in uh, 23-4 right now, right? Yep. So if you got to 25-26 and you can really see Taylor Hendricks knocking on the door, he's, he's, he's refined an offensive game, uh, his defense is outstanding, he's blocking shots, he's moving – doing all those types of things that, that an athletic guy with his measurables should be. All right. And same thing with George. So you're talking about a Hayward timeline without the wanting to leave. Like Hayward was a good draft pick. He Different wasn't kind of player, physically yeah. big enough. No, but his timeline. He wasn't physically big enough. Add to add weight, and then he became a starter, and then he became pretty good. And then all of a sudden there's pictures of him five years later side by side. And you're like, wow, he's put on like 30 pounds of muscle. He's, he's, a, he's got a totally different frame. And he ends up being an all-star, and they go to the playoffs. Now, you want there to be more because he packed up and he left. But if you take that part of the story out, the trend as far as, well, I think they drafted a pretty good guy, and then over two, three, four years you see the improvement, it keeps giving you hope. And that is basically what pro sports is about. Yeah, but clearly he, he needs to show significant development. Yep. Hayward was more along. But I think he played two years, too, didn't he, in college. Uh, so he had a little I'm bit sure, more. I'm sure, yeah, I, I don't know if he played two or three. I'd have to look it up. He had more development. Yeah. I mean, a different player. I don't necessarily know that. 
a totally uh, different player. needs to refine his I'm talking about more. he wasn't ready when he first came. And you could be ready for not ready for different reasons. I think the Jazz put him in a position to be an all-star. Now, he went and got it, but I think largely it was due to what they had around him in the manner that they did Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I don't know that... Well, it'd that be easier if, to draft if, someone who came in and made the splash. Mitchell I don't know name. if Hayward could have been an all-star just on his raw ability. I believe Mitchell would have been and is. He's a better player. Hence, he came in and made that splash right away. He's a great player. Yeah. No matter what you think of him, he's a great player. I, I mean, I love watching the kid play ball. Great player. Um, Hayward, I think it was... If there is there such a thing as a system all-star? I get your point. I don't know if that's exactly right the term. situation yeah. for him. He got the ball a and lot. And once he left, yeah. there hasn't been the right situation, and he's just been a totally yeah. forgettable player that made a ton of money, and no one's going to remember him when he leaves. And no one's going to – are they going to bring him back in the, in the uh, you know, the 90s thing that we have or whatever they're doing with O'Kerr? And oh, prob- probably. I don't think so. Oh, really? I would have said they're not bringing D. Will back, but they're bringing D. Will back. Yeah, but D. Will mended the bridge. He did. Was Hayward, would he be, you know, he's still playing, so I can't say that, but would he be willing to mend, mend the bridge? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, man, I should have stayed know. here. I don't well, that's all he's got to do. That really is, it, it, that's yeah. mending the bridge. And then he's good to go. Right. And I think he said it privately, so he might be willing to say it publicly. Oh, I don't know that he said it privately. I do. Well, you got the you sources, can, not me. You'll you'll find out. No, I won't. I think you will. I can't. I'm going to make you. You're the one who's connected. I don't got No, it. you're connected. You've won the awards, buddy, not me. <laughs> you're connected. You've won the awards, not me, man. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. we got to take a break. Got another question coming up for you, for all you uh, college basketball fans. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Mitch Harper, reading with KSLSports.com, our BYU insider. Spring football not too far away from here. What's going to be priority number one? Is it who's going to be the number one quarterback in spring football? It has to be. That's got to be the focus because, you know, by my estimation, this is the most wide-open quarterback unit since 2002. You know, BYU just doesn't have anyone in the room or the unit right now that you feel like is a future NFL guy, potentially. That's just a new dynamic. And it causes a situation to where it's wide open. And I think that Kalani Sataki said it best, where he doesn't know who's going to be the starter. I think he's really having an open mind going into spring ball because really none of these players have a pre-BYU resume that says, oh, you better play him or else you're going to lose him. They're all kind of on even footing. And let's see how it plays out. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 B. KSL Sports Zone. The band of the day today is the Doobie Brothers, and it's brought to you by Live Nation for all the live concerts and events in 2024. Check out LiveNation.com. The reason the band of the day is the Doobie Brothers is because we're giving away tickets to see the Doobie Brothers at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 30th. We will give those tickets away in one hour. So be here at 8.50 if you want to win your concert tickets. PK, ESPN. With a massive story on all the potential baseball expansion teams, I'm surprised it's uh, this big a deal, given the fact they've just laid out the timeline as for a team in the 2030s 
Maybe it could be named before the commissioner says he wants to name the two cities before he's done. So in the late 20s, they name the team. And as you say, they like to give you a couple years to get everything lined up before you play. Well, I don't have a subscription, so I don't know what it said. It's not. It's a free story. It's not. Uh, when I looked at it, it was the ESPN Plus. The original one with passing yesterday was under ESPN Plus. This one that DJ's talking about came out, I believe, this morning, and it's got a layout of all the potential. This centers. morning. Yeah. This. I like the emphasis on this. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday morning. This morning. Came gotcha. out at. Gotcha. Came out okay. at five a.m. Right, I haven't seen that one then. Yeah, it's a brand new one. Throws out Austin and San Antonio as a possibility. And when you say throw out, does that mean eliminate or includes? Includes. Because if I throw you it, out, it, that okay. get out of so here. It, yeah. <laughs> they toss them in the ring. They nominate Austin San Antonio as a possibility. Uh, a combo? That the team would draw from both areas. Depending oh, okay, on where but you're not talking stadium. about two it would, different. It would go to talking Austin. About one. Yeah, they're go like Austin, 70 miles but, apart. Right, go to Austin, but draw from I've San Antonio. I've hitched a ride from uh, <laughs> San kid. Antonio to Austin, and I got one. The biggest obstacle either Austin or San Antonio face in getting a team might be the Houston Astros, who play just three hours away and have a strong fan base in the region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's one thing we've heard about this. Well, Steve Starks told us that. process is Steve Starks said... There are teams that look at some cities and think, why would we want to vote for that? Yeah. Charlotte is uh, is often mentioned. And we're getting but, eight for Denver and six for Vegas. Right. The Atlanta Braves are right down the road from Charlotte. This goes back to the whole thing you've talked about in the East where everything's 90 minutes apart. Well, yeah, and then in a, in a good region of the country, St. Louis just owns it. Yes, and that was actually one of the things mentioned about Nashville, but they also say Nashville is fait accompli when you talk Nashville to Nashville is one of these hot communities. It mm-hmm. was like Atlanta in the 90s or whenever it was. Like Atlanta, people were moving uh, yet, yeah, well, maybe even before, because uh, my Atlanta wa- in the 60s, 70s, 80s, My and 90s. wife taught at uh, Washington Prep in South Central, and it was uh, all black, all African-American school. It's, and I've got, she coached, and I've, got, I've showed you the pitchers she's the white shadow literally the only white mm-hmm. person in the picture on her volleyball team and they're all african-american it was very cool it was an awesome experience uh and i covered those schools i covered la city and a lot of folks were going a lot of black folks were going to atlanta leaving la yeah. for atlanta and, moving. and it was going back to where their recent ancestors had come from and so that was the hot community it seemed to be the hot section of the country. Now it seems like Nashville. You hear people moving to Nashville. At least I do all the time. And obviously, you got the country music, and it's uh, the basically the headquarters. And you know, it's like the country version of Motown was in Detroit in the '60s, right? So it seems like there's just no doubt Nashville doesn't have to do anything that they're already there. That's the impression I get. It's who else is going to join Nashville. The story says, based on conversations with high-ranking executives within the sport, it seems close to a fait accompli that Nashville will win one right. of the next expansion I mean, teams. you're dropping the Italian language. That's something that you can understand, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, what could stop it from landing a team? They have that for everybody. Nashville's not necessarily close to Cincinnati, St. Louis, or Atlanta, but the major league teams from those cities will probably cringe at the idea of having pieces of their respective fan nation shaved off. Though those concerns would probably not preclude Nashville from getting into it. You get pretty marginal there. I mean, what are we going to do? Build an island out in the Pacific Ocean (laughs) for a team? I mean, come on.
And then, then it's like nobody wants to travel to Hawaii. It's too expensive and too far and too much jet lag. So you got to put up with something. Yeah. Uh, Orlando is mentioned as a possibility, but they point out the history of the Marlins and Rays. I'd be hesitant for Florida. Yeah. You know, so many folks moving in there and they, and bring do they their get out in fandom, the summer. And they bring their fandom from another city. Uh, but they, they, but do they it? literally leave? Do they go back to the Northeast because say, the weather's changed at that point? Snowbirds they go so then you way. head out there. I would stay away from Florida. Now, Orlando does have a guy who has proposed to build a multi billion dollar venture like what the Millers have proposed. In here in Salt Lake City, I think that's why that gets them on the list. Sure, but like I Vegas, say. sell a lot of tickets to tourists. Sure, that's we've thought. turned dirt. True. They do mention Salt Lake City. Well, they better don't sleep on Salt Lake City. Oh, we're the city that never sleeps. Which has hosted the Olympics once already is a strong candidate to do so again. The city and the state have built an impressive track record of getting large-scale, community-enhancing projects done with an unusual degree of public and private sector synergy. We rally. Then you got that whole thing, you know, how much billionaires asking the government. Well, it goes on everywhere, doesn't it? They want money, tax breaks, and yada, yada. Honestly... I don't understand any of that. So I'm not even going to bother understanding. I'm not even going to bother waving into it. Well, there's a whole thing with the Diamondbacks. You'll probably have some family wading into it. The Diamondbacks want uh, want to redo the stadium and want subsidies. And well, everybody does. This is a true story. I want a subsidy. <laughs> Go talk to the governor. <laughs> if I can get it, why not? Sign me up. Right. It does mention if the Oakland Athletics were to choose Utah as a temporary home, that might go a long way towards fast-tracking the process. Well, then slide whoever the slide Charlie Finley some money. <laughs> and they talk about Charlie Finley. Nice. It's <laughs> Charlie O. Finley to you. O, 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 o Finley? Finley? <laughs> well, I don't know who owns the A's now. Whoever owns them, throw them a little cash to choose here. John, John Fisher. John Fisher. And yeah. it does uh, it does point out that the support for the Jazz and the University of Utah and BYU. And uh, so although the market size may not jump out at you, because market size would be in the lower ranks of Major League Baseball, they talk about how, as a sports community, it outpunches out its weight here. Well, yeah, but you're, you're talking about a, a market size right now. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, you're going to be here for... I don't know. When do you people think the world is going to end? Well, and one thing that Jeff they Pat- quote Steve Starks about the fastest growing yeah. state, yeah. the youngest state oh, with yeah. a shovel ready ballpark. And I've what, got a quote from him in the story. And what you mentioned earlier, PK, Nashville is 26th in terms of population and market size right now. It was Salt Lake City 27th. So they're right there in line with one another. Yeah. Well, screw that. Yeah. And all I got to do is get up there Sunday, folks. We need more people. Let's go. Boom. Away you go. Guys like Yak, they'll be taking another five months off for paternity leave. <laughs> Bye. He's saying, I didn't really take two weeks off ever. This guy's taking two weeks off every third week. Uh, so all you got to do is that. So where's it going to be in 50 years? 20 years? 25 that years? That is part of the pitch. The pitch? Ah, see what he did there? Clever. <laughs> Wordplay. Nice. Thank you. I want painted on the black, man. <laughs> 95 on the black. All right. Well, you read that ESPN story. Uh, we'll put it out on social media. You can... Take a gander at the other. They they run through a bunch of cities. They point out Portland doesn't have strong ownership. Montreal's got I'd, some stadium I'd issues. I prefer to go to Portland, Maine than Portland, Oregon. <laughs> okay. Who wants to go to Portland, Oregon? Uh, the Seattle Mariners might not be thrilled with the concept. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Huge night for Cougar and Aggie fans, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. It was rocking in here. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's it's right up there with the Texas Tech and the Kansas, honestly, being honest. I think our performance gave him a lot to cheer for, too. So. BYU fans thrilled the Baylor coach. Not so thrilled. Our performance gave him something to cheer about. Wins on the road are hard to come by, PK. When you get a chance to win a big game at home, you need to do it. If you look at the scores from last night, there were a half dozen games involving ranked teams, and fifth-ranked Tennessee won in Missouri. That was the only only road win in the mix. A lot of ranked teams got beat on the road. Number one, UConn. Number 11, Baylor falling to BYU, and number 19, San Diego State losing at Utah State. Question up on our Facebook page for all you college hoop fans. Huge wins for BYU and Utah State. How awesome is it to have two great in-state teams? I think it's very awesome because it's given a shot in the arm to the sport. The sport had been dying on the vine. The Utes haven't been very good. And BYU outside of Gonzaga and St. Mary's and then every other year the Utes is like, who gives a crap? If they would have beat LMU last night, we wouldn't be talking about it today. No. Or any of those, any teams that weren't St. Mary's or Gonzaga. It would just be, uh, who cares? And whoop-de-doo. No passion. Just get through it and see who had the right to get beat by Gonzaga in Vegas. Was it going to be BYU or St. Mary's? Uh, And usually Gonzaga wins it, and we'll see what happens. I don't really care what happens for them now going forward in the West Coast Conference. But here, this is a big-time team that's won at the highest level you could win. Speaking of Baylor, obviously, they have draft picks every year. This Walter kid will be the next one. They've had a slew of them, and the place was electric and great game. And Utah State is benefiting from the Mountain West being really, really good this year. I saw in the notes they put out, Utah State is against ranked teams in the AP Top 25. They are 20 and 109. So before that, they were 19 and 109. And so that's a big win. You don't normally do that. And obviously, it's at home. And sure, if these teams were playing on the road, I venture to say they would lose because they did lose. <laughs> <laughs> Utah State went to San Diego State yeah. and lost. And But San Diego State came to Utah State and lost. Well, it's the power of home court in basketball. Well, but it's not just home court. It's the power of home court combined with you've got a good team. Yes. I mean, they're not going to San Jose or whatever and winning. San Jose's not winning against these teams. Uh, and you know, Air so, Force. Air Force, yeah. There's a reason they're 10th and 11th in the league right, right now. Right. So, yes, I think the venue, I've been, and I've said that a million times, having covered college basketball is my bread and butter in this community for a good long while, that it really, really matters. But you've got to have a good enough team to be able to win. You're simply not just going to win because you have – 10,000 people in Logan and 17,000 people in Provo. They're gonna, they can help you, but they're not going to get you over the top. You're going to have to do that. And those and I'm flicking back and forth like crazy watching both games. And then I had to flick over to the Pac-12. A little, uh, the Sun Devils were playing Kansas State, a ranked baseball team. And I was doing some research there because Kansas State's in the Big 12. No kid. Right. So I put it on my time card. That Good. Was, that was work last night. Devils prevailed. Uh, on and that game obviously it was in in uh, Tempe, I guess now technically Phoenix, uh, but this is something that you should celebrate. This is, and I'm glad that they're there. I'm glad that they're playing well. I'm glad that they won, 
because it gives us something else to talk about. And it was fun, especially perfectly timed games with the Jazz still I know in the All Star break, right. but the game doesn't start until tomorrow. So we had 48 hours basically before game time. They get back at it, and great. I don't, I don't know that they did that. Well, let's give uh, Utah State and uh, BYU two very good teams while the Jazz aren't playing. Um, my guess is coincidental, but it really, really worked. Jeff says it is great. Scott says we have three great teams in this state. Weber State's good too. Smiley face. Well, emoji. Weber State's been hot. Uh, they struggled. They did well. They beat same areas, and then they they slumped a little bit, and now they're back. But for them being a one bid league, you know, it's what you're going to do. Uh, they still have that weekend. thing in Reno, right? Yeah, it's one weekend. Uh, yeah, and and hopefully they can win and and get an opportunity to get in the NCAA tournament. That'd be great. Uh, but the reality of the Big Sky is, you know, what do you do in that? Win the conference situation? tournament. Yeah, that is your that that's the most pressure. Yeah. No matter how great your season is, yeah, you you could literally be you know uh, thirty and two, yeah. and and you still got to win. Whereas if you're you know for so many years the Utes going to Vegas, well they'd already established themselves. They were in. They didn't have to worry. I mean they heck they went to the Final Four the year they lost their first game, and so there was not really that much pressure. But the, you want to talk pressure? My goodness, big Sky teams, particularly if you're really good that year, uh, you got a ton of uh, pressure on these guys. And I would think now that both these ball clubs are in. Because you look at BYU, they've now beaten three ranked teams. And and Iowa State, and I, I, I think Iowa State's their best win. This is uh, probably their second best win. Did you see the Scott Van Pelt graphic last night on, on SportsCenter by chance? Did not. So they have registered three AP Top 25 wins this season. The three previous times they've done that, they actually have one in 81 when they won four, but they've advanced every time they've done that when they've gone to the NCAA tournament. So, Well, yeah, we're going to – and that's the thing about it. They'll, they won't necessarily face pressure when they go to KC, and the Aggies won't necessarily face pressure when they go to Vegas. No, it's all But then about, the following yeah, week then – it's, Then it's on. Yeah, because if you're yeah. running out some pretty good uh, records, which I assume they will for both, and then you get beat in the first round, that would suck. Well, they can worry about that when they get there. And we're still a few weeks away, so there's no point in uh, obsessing about that because, my gosh, the uh, the Cougs got to go back right back on the road. And, oh, Kansas State isn't that good. Yeah, but uh, they're better than Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State just kicked your butt. And then you got Kansas after that. They have to go to Foggy Allen right yeah. after it. The so, road wins for BYU, there have only been two, right? In the conference at, you're speaking of? At UCF and at West Virginia. Correct, yeah, they only have the two road wins. Yeah, I and mean, but they're right there and a couple others. Yeah. They didn't get the job done. So this this offers offers them the opportunity, then this would be the best road win. And if they get it, then the next game would be the best road win. Well, yeah, but the thing about road wins in this conference, not necessarily across the board in College Hoop, mm-hmm. but in this conference, any are good. They're all good. There's so few. Exhibit Oklahoma State. Kansas goes to UCF, gets punked. Well, I asked Scott. The, Drew, I Scott asked Scott Drew last night in that post game press conference what the difference between the road and the home splits are in the Big Twelve. He said, "In twenty one years, when I got in the league twenty one years ago, Roy Williams told me it's the toughest league to win on the road in, and he said it's proven that over the two decades I've been with Baylor." Well, I mean, he's been there for twenty two, twenty one years or whatever it is, and so yeah, if he's talking about that, and I don't, and he's established himself, he doesn't need to blow smoke. There's only two teams in the league right now with a winning record 
on the road. Houston's four and three, and they're who's ranked number two in the country. Who's atop the league? Right, and TCU is five and four on the road. Yeah, but I'm more concerned so, about in the conference. I mean, because you can you can schedule road wins, in right? The but they mostly don't play road games. I mean, they probably have one or yeah. But I'm more. It's to me, it's conference road wins. They're the ones that matter. And I know your little graphic there doesn't show it, so you're going to have to. They're do four and two instead of four and three. They played one, and that's they beat Xavier. That's what it's about. What? How many can you get on the road? And each one you get, for the Cougars' sake, gives you a little cushion if you should stumble. Now they—I mean—they could lose home games without question the rest of the way. I don't think that Utah State will. But with BYU, and this is sort of a, not entirely, but this is sort of an anything can happen type of league. Final two home games are TCU and Oklahoma State. And I, I don't know that there. I can say yeah, I'll bet the farm on either of those. I mean, I expect them to beat Oklahoma State at home. Uh, TCU, TCU is a very dangerous team. Uh, Say so that wouldn't shock me beyond anything if they came in and uh, the the frogs won that game. I I could see that, but. You know, you want the opportunity to get those. And then if you can find a way to get one or two more wins on the road, then I think you're getting seeded to be at least into the round of 32. And have a reasonable chance to win there. Yeah. Although, do any the top seeds feel? I mean, there was a time when if you were playing a top seed in the second round, maybe you didn't feel like you had a chance. But are there any teams like that this year where you think they don't have a chance? Well, I don't think there's anything now with all the one-and-dones. Your players... There's a lot of parity. Yeah. I mean, Kansas, if they still had Grady Dick, yeah. But they don't have Grady Dick. He's gone. He's with Toronto. Am I right, Yock? You are correct. Guy that the Jazz are linked to, but Toronto stole him. I mean, they they picked him. He's not exactly lighting it up, but... and then they've got a couple more guys that are here today, gone tomorrow. I remember last year with BYU going to go in the big show, oh, I'll watch these teams and really study them. Thought, this is a waste of time because those guys are going to be gone. Between guys going <laughs> to the NBA and guys transferring in and out, it's going to have a new look. Well, Kansas is like the case in point of that. They completely yeah. remade their roster in the offseason. They've got no choice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a road they go down. A few of those powers do that, and they're one of those powers. I'm interested to see what Utah State would get as a seed because I'm not really sure. I don't I don't have a, a good handle on that because I know that the league has been great this year. There's no doubt about it. It's it's one of the best, if not the best, since uh, the others left back after the 2011 season. Uh, with that in mind, though, you know you wonder when they go in that room. Eh, it's still the Mountain West, you know, because I believe the human element is there. Not necessarily saying it's right, but I'm curious, and we'll find out eventually, obviously, uh, where they will be seated. Because I wonder, because even Utah, even though in those great Utah teams, which were great every year, and I was covering them for the Watchdog, I they still I thought were underseated. The year they went to the Final Four, they were three seed, and I think that was the conversation. But it's not just that the seed, because there's four of those. So are you 9 or are you 12? Yeah. The year they lost to Kentucky the year before, they were, they a, two. were a 2, but they were the 4th 2. They were the 8th best team. That was a ripoff. 
So they had to play number one Kentucky. Yeah. And that felt impossible. Right. And nonetheless, was, it was a great game. That was a ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. They should have. I'm fine with the two seed, but they shouldn't have been the fourth two seed. When you get that far, it can matter. Now, it mattered, I think, more then because teams are more established. And they had guys back year after year. Right. There was continuity. Right. And yeah. that's why I was just saying a couple of minutes ago, there were one seeds in a previous era when you thought, oh my gosh, we got to play those guys as an 8-9 seed. You felt like you are only being in the tournament. Majerus in one of his... Uh, <laughs> one of his press conferences before the before a Kentucky game when Utah was an eight seed. So like, we're not gonna somebody asked him about what do you have to do to beat Kentucky? Said, we're not gonna beat Kentucky. I mean, who says that before a game? Well, Rick Majerus does. But they were loaded that year and he knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean they were very yeah, obviously. Obviously they had stars left and right, and the stars stayed. They they everybody wasn't a one and done thing. So I think the league ought to just do away with that. Totally agree. But I looked like they were going to do it in the last CBA, and then they didn't. So we're stuck with it for a while. Yeah, it's sort of a waste of time uh, on that. If you, I don't think the kids are going to die if they go. And if they choose to go, so be it. I, I, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a one good... Not one good thing, but a good thing with NIL. You know, maybe they can say, hey, you know, I've read that. I can get more money if I go to the NBA for sure, but I could also make enough money here that it's worth hanging out. I've read that about, and I don't know if it was about the NBA or NFL draft now, but I think it's true about both of them that if you're in that gray area, do I go or do I not go? NIL makes it easier to stay. You get well, the money, you can. play, you get better. Yeah, but it, it depends on who you are because at the same time then, the idea being get to the second contract quicker. If you're really good and you know that's a deal, that pressure is still there. Right. It's not entirely eliminated. You wonder if a kid like Cam Rising would come in. I know the Ute fans think, well, he comes back, we're going to go to the playoff, and it's it's for the team. He's getting an, an exorbitant amount of cash. Yes. Seven <laughs> figures. So don't... Don't underestimate that, that he doesn't necessarily know he would get. I know we're as fans, and all fans think, oh, we'll, we'll have 25 starters returning next year if all these kids come back. Yeah, they don't think like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw it. The six kids that are going to the combine are all under class. They all could have come back. But they were all Five in, or six, uh, whatever it is. They're all projected in no-doubt mode. Yeah. They expect to make— That's what the fan thinks. They expect to make the team— and they've probably got agents telling them, yeah, and in addition, the second contract. Get through the rookie deal. Right. Right. And then if you're good enough and you get that second one, you've also got the pension, most likely, and you're, you know, you're, the money is just life-changing. And so I understand why they all would do it. I would probably do the exact same thing. You know, we all like to be ideal. Oh, stay in college. You can get better, and you can be with your teammates and your girlfriend, and you can go to the volleyball play uh, on a Friday night in the fall okay. and be the student experience. There, that sounds romantic and there's all, all but of it's that. cash. Now, now, imagine you or I telling our parents, uh, yeah, I got offered uh, however many million by uh, the NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, but I'm not going. I'm going to stay and go to the volleyball and uh, do the student radio and do the... No. Yeah, but some have. You wouldn't have. 
I don't would have know. been goodbye to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. Van Horn did. He did. And Andre Miller did. Yeah. They could have gotten whatever they were going to get the next year, they could have gotten the year before. You they wouldn't were have surefire an, picks. You wouldn't have and I wouldn't have. Gone. Yeah, but I mean, th- that's not even conceivable. So what's the point? The, the, at no point is that I'm ever going to get a million-dollar contract. DJ and PK coming up. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, will join us. Yak, you've been working it in there? Yes, we have. And what have you delivered? BYU assistant coach Nick Robinson is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Oh, that's that guy that hit that shot to beat the U of A. Yeah. I'll forever love him. Yeah. That was, and that was like <laughs> a little, we'll lead with that and put him in a good like mood. The anniversary was only like a couple of weeks ago. He got dogpiled by Tiger Woods. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> Tiger came out of the front row very that's excited. Great highlight. <laughs> DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Coming up next, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. We'll talk about the Jazz. And we'll also talk about those big wins for the Aggies and Cougars with Tim next. Stay with us. Accessing. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. John Kimball, president of Real Salt Lake. Huge one against uh, Messi, Miami. Look, let's be honest, Messi made a lot of teams look silly last year. What are your expectations? Obviously, you'd love to have a result in some way, shape, or form, but if you could write the script, what are you hoping to see? This is a lifelong dream for a lot of these players, but they also want to showcase why they're professional athletes as well. And Messi is one of the best to ever play the game, and we hope that he's healthy and strong and, and helps our teams grow, our league grow. But we're going out for a and that's our intention. We want to start our season off right. And the coach has got everybody dialed in, and they're they're very excited. Pants, you know, Beth, you know, when you get up for a game, this is definitely one of those games we're up for. Catch Hans and Scotty weekdays from noon to 3 on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. So, so, so. Nominate the sports volunteer that you know for the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com forward slash contest and listen every Tuesday afternoon to JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week and sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. Utah Jazz are back in action tomorrow night. The lowly Charlotte Hornets with the fourth worst record in the NBA are coming to town. I don't even hate them anymore. <laughs> Why did you hate the Hornets? Because Hayward was there. Well, he's gone. I know. So you can go back to ignoring them. Having no emotion whatsoever. DJ PK, we're joined now by Tim Lacombe. Are you a business owner? You have better things to do than job hunt or scramble to find your next great hire? Let's fear in staffing and recruiting do it. Visit Spherian online at spherian.com slash Utah. Tim Lacombe, good morning. Good morning. You would know this, I do believe. The Aggie is the Aggie basketball coaching staff right now having the best day possible, uh, short of winning a national title, because they just won a big game and have a bye on the weekend. They can actually give the players a day off, and sure, I'm sure they've got to watch some film on some recruit, and there's recruiting work to do. And they probably now have to meet with some booster about NIL. But isn't there like an hour to sit around the office and just bask in the glory of a big win? Well, that's probably last night. You know, it's, as Danny Sprinkle says all the time, rent's due now. you know, you got to get up and get something done. Um, but what an environment really up there in Logan last night. Um, perennial Mountain West Conference 
uh, power in San Diego State. And I mean, I thought I didn't see every bit of every game, but I thought they went really toe to toe and um, they answered the bell physically, which is what you got to do against San Diego State. You really have to be on the glass. Um, and I just thought they were tough, man. They found a way. And so, I, I mean, I would give them an hour, uh, but I would imagine that Danny's already got him on to the next task. Yeah, no sense of recruiting. You don't know who's going to be in the transfer portal yet. You know, uh... That's right, man. You might as well um, <laughs> it'd be like that old game where you put your, uh, you know, when you're at the fishing, somebody puts a, the pole or your, your line overneath the shower curtain and they attach something to it mysteriously. Um, what were those called? Fishing ponds <laughs> when we were kids. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Right. So, yeah, you got to wait till the portal's full. What do you think their seed would be? I'm having a hard time figuring out because we were talking about it. You know, those great Majerus teams, uh, I thought they were under-seeded. Even the year they got the two-seed, it was the fourth two-seed, and I thought they were better than that. So it seemed like there was always a level of, even if it was just marginal, a level of disrespect. I know BYU, when Steve Cleveland was there a couple times, I thought they were woefully under-seeded. I thought they were way better than what they should have been, and they end up going against uh, Syracuse and UConn, two powers, play them, uh, you know, certainly uh, – Syracuse was real tough, and the UConn game I think was tough too. Uh, but as far as that goes, I think there's still a little bias against the Mountain West. So I'm trying to figure out where they would be seated. What would your What would be your thought? You know, I think that the Mountain West is kind of through that phase. Um, really great teams this year, and yeah, I maybe with, and with the, the Aztecs going all the way last year to the final. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's. You know, it's, we're talking about a different animal, I think, in the Mountain West. But, but, but to your point, I mean, sometimes they, you know, Utah State was not necessarily scheduled for the dance, so they're like, oh, wait a second, you got to hold 15 for your reservation. And we went through that a couple of times. Um, you know, back-to-back games against Texas A&M when we were really good. Um, you know, going in there with eights. It's why those seeds are so important. When you know when we were able to make it in Sweet 16 that year, uh, we went as a three and played Wofford in the first round, who was tough. But uh, Mike Young was a coach who's now the coach at Virginia Tech, who uh, pants Virginia last night, um, beat them pretty bad. So it's all you know the tournament's all about seeding, but I do believe what Utah State has going for it is, is the Mountain West Conference obviously has done really well in the tournament as of late and I think they're they're I mean, they're a great conference top to bottom really really good hoop you worried about either of these teams having to follow up a big win with another big win I mean the Aggies get a week off so maybe that helps a little bit obviously for the Cougars a big test on the weekend on the road yeah it's um, you know it's day by day but I think, you know, you're talking about BYU. Heck, what an environment there. Um, you know, the the Marriott Center is no longer this uh, West Coast secret. So cool to see BYU basketball, the, uh, the environment, everything that has been kind of swelling over the last number of years all kind of come to uh, fruition and just sitting back last night in my living room, flipping between games. It was just quite a sight to see. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I didn't do why you stamped their ticket last night. 
So it's a matter now of just continuing to try and improve your seed. And, um, you know, the loss at Oklahoma State was tough, but they answered it by winning a game last night that was really big against a, a team that a lot of people think a lot of good things about. Khalifa, man, I love the kid. Doughy guy, out of wow. shape. Leads seven assists, dropping in four threes. Just amazing. What a find. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's, talk about finding a guy that's exactly what you need. Um, you know, they have such a nice variation in their bigs, particularly between he and Foose. Um, but man, he's really changed the game. And some of those passes he made last night, you know, the ones that like a cutter's going completely opposite of a direction of, that he'd normally, uh, you know, be in his sight or in his vision. And he just finds people, but it was his shot making last night, you know, making shots at the end of the, the clock and, and, just understanding where the ball needs to go. Um, he, he was a great find. I, I completely agree. Uh, Egyptian, you know, coming from Charlotte to BYU. It's, it's uh, a great job by the staff finding him. Better pass that one you're talking about or when they're in the zone and before the ball hits his hands, he knows where the open shooter is on the three-point line. And, I mean, he caught that thing. He j- had to jump to catch it, but the ball was gone before his feet hit the floor. Well, they call it a one-timer in hockey, right? Yeah. Um, I think what I saw, I saw Jokic do that last week. Um, you know, ball's in the air, and he surveys the scene and goes up and just taps it where it needs to go. He's got a lot of Jokic in him. Um, you know, not from a scoring perspective, but, man, his ability, first of all, to, to catch the ball in the spot he wants to catch it, not be in a hurry. And, you know, the book on him now, you saw it last night with Baylor, they're crawling up into his real estate, trying to, to thwart the opportunity for him to make passes. Um, but it seems like whatever people try, he just does. You know, he, he's got that gift, man. He's got that gift. How do you channel this and what was showed? I know you're not going to bring 17,000 folks with you, but you got a couple of road games in the state of Kansas coming up. And it'd be nice if you could at least get a split. But I'm nervous about it because I saw what happened last Saturday at Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's winning on the road is in college basketball. Is, you got to really be of one mind, um, and particularly going into places like that. I will say the fall from grace, um, Jerome Tang in Kansas State. They are now one and six after he, you know, they're four and one in the Big 12. And they went to Iowa State and he mysteriously called out Iowa State for planting people around his bench to, you know, coaches are so paranoid, I guess is my point. And, but he, he goes to, you know, he goes to great lengths in the media to, to make this comment. And his four and one team now has gone one and six. So you might want to keep your, your eye on the ball, you know, particularly in the Big 12, really important. But major distraction, you know, Jerome Tang, a young head coach who had a lot of success last year, um, you know, they've dropped it. They've dropped the ball now. And so I think BYU's got a real chance to win there. I think that Kansas State team is just kind of on fumes right now. Um, and then Kansas, I mean, heck, you're going to be so jacked up for that. And it's not, let's, let's be real clear. 
this is not your mom and dad's Kansas. Um, this is kind of a rent, uh, you know, they've rented costumes and they put on the Kansas uniform. Um, but that team is not typically what we see in a Kansas basketball team. So again, BYU's on house money. They're, they're playing great basketball. Most importantly, I mean, that's the thing. They're not trying to, there's no production going on. There's no, uh, there's no foe. Like March comes so so far, he's not making up, you know, best locker room in America anymore. They're just doing it on the court, and and you know him having to hype things up and all that stuff is gone. And this team is, you know, they're legit night to night, and um, they'll just go in there physically. That's what's cool. This BYU team physically can kind of handle those contests. Still a little three-dependent, though. I mean, 39%, 14 made threes, so they get the win. But I mean, they could seem like they could only make a couple at Oklahoma State, so they take the loss. Yeah, but who isn't three-dependent anymore? I mean, basketball is three-dependent. Um, I think what BYU has shown in games this year were, um, you know, I'm trying to remember the game. It was Iowa State. You know, Iowa State really tried to, to crowd them and take away the three, and they ended up just going to the, the basket all night. Um, again, having Khalifa as a guy who you can penetrate the ball with, but then is such a, you know, vicious passer, um, they've got kind of the three and the key going, but they've got to take it out on the road, right? I mean, I think that sometimes um, the threes aren't going to fall like they do at home on the road. So they just got to remember to continue to attack. But I, I've been really impressed. And minus that blip, you know, at Oklahoma State, who's full of ton, uh, really good athletes, by the way, and really good players, they do have the ability night to night to beat teams. Um, you know, I think BYU's in a good spot. Jazz gotten past the malaise of the trade now, and we expect some winning going forward? I hope so. Um, I would say that that game we watched against Golden State going into the All-Star break is more of what hopefully we see. Um, it was an amazing environment, and I think the Jazz fans will still continue to come out and support this team. Um, Keontae, obviously, nine threes. This last little bit is, is about a couple of things. It's evaluating, uh, continuing to evaluate, but giving these young guys reps, man. And... Uh, Keontae, you know, took those reps, did great things with them. It's exciting, you know, over the next 20-plus to see truly what Taylor Hendricks, you know, can kind of what level he can get to through year one. But I thought he had some good spurts the other night. And, you know, Will has proven, regardless of what part or what team or blend of team, this you know, jazz team he's had over the last couple of years, he's gotten the best out of the group. You know, you think about the, the group that nobody thought anything of last year, and he takes them ten and three right out of the gate. Literally, half moves have to be made because they're doing too well. Um, this year, obviously, the the moves to try to get some assets, but he'll figure it out. He continues to figure out the roster, personnel, um, who plays best with whom, and over time, they, you know, they've really found that, and then. You know he's got the team kind of humming at a certain point through the through uh, through each iteration of this team, 
So I would expect the same, but probably the most important thing is to see these young guys um, go out there and get their, their opportunities. You love the odds. What are the odds that with Charlotte at home, San Antonio at home, and at Atlanta, no back-to-backs, three games before we talk to you again, and only the third one in Atlanta is on the road. What are the odds the Jazz go 3-0? and Because these are three basketball teams that are all well below 500, right? Yes, but it is the NBA. And every night, uh, you know, the odds don't necessarily mean much always. Um, I'm going to go... Let me think about this one. I am going to go 65% they go 3 now. All right, there it is. Well, I see no reason why it doesn't happen because I took a level of uh, optimism from that uh, Golden State game because it seemed like, you know, I realize it was a psychological blow, but it was also a a literal blow in terms of uh, losing talent. And once that happens, I mean, you have to regroup a little bit. And Will Hardy spoke about that, about needing practice time and whatnot. Well, they should have had it now. And so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But at that same time, now I'm expecting a much better performance going forward. I don't think there's any other way around it. And now you've, you've settled in to what – and he made a change to the starting lineup too along with it. So I'm expecting at least more consistency. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that, like you said, it, it does take a little bit of time to get the right groups out there together. Um, and then I'll obviously scheme. I know basketball is such a team game. And, you know, four guys can be on the right spot and one guy can be out to lunch and it can cost you possession after possession. So, yeah, it's it's a process. I do think to the all-star break, the actual break and getting away and coming back will be beneficial for this group. They've been through a lot, played a lot of games, and um, now they can kind of focus on the stretch run. Tim, we will talk to you again a week, but we will hear you on Jazz Broadcast this week now as they get back to action. Pre-game, halftime, post-game right here on The Zone. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, guys. Great being with you. DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Coming up next, it's a win ticket Wednesday. We've got tickets to see the Doobie Brothers at the Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 30th, and we will give those away next. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present... This is JJ and Alex. Brett McMurphy, Action Network, and Brett does a phenomenal job covering college football. We're glad to have him on the program. Brett, thanks for being with us again. In my bold projections, the Big 12 champ, I have them seated fourth in my college football playoff bowl projections. And that Big 12 champ that I have seated fourth is none other than your Utah Utes. And look, before everyone, you know, runs, starts calling Mark Harlan for, for uh, playoff tickets, <laughs> uh, keep this in mind. Last year, my dark horse to win the Big 12 Texas Tech. Catch JJ and Alex afternoons from 3 to 6. Presented by G2G Bars on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. Time to give away the concert tickets to see the Doobie Brothers at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 30th. Caller 12 right now, 801-575-ZONE. 801-575-ZONE. You are a winner. Caller 12, 801-575-ZONE. Call right now and Yach will hook somebody up with concert tickets 
to see the Doobie Brothers. Sweet. There it is. I've seen them a time or two. How were they? Fine. Yeah, yep. good. Did their thing. Go with, you know what you're getting, and you get it. <laughs> well, that's good. It is good. Hey, you were discussing in the last segment with Tim, uh, what would the Aggies be seated? Now, pretty much all the national websites have their bracketology trying to predict, and there seems to be a little consensus here with the Aggies. There's one outlier. I checked four sites. One of them has the Aggies as a five seed, but the other three, and that's CBS has the Aggies as a five seed. The other three, uh, ESPN, Fox, and Bleacher Report, all put the Aggies as a seven seed. So for whatever that is worth, that seems to be the consensus. That means winnable first-round game, difficult but winnable game to get to the Sweet 16. Well, Does that okay. feel fair to you? or uh... if, if the second game is winnable, then pretty much any game is winnable. Yeah. Yeah, as a seven, it's a two probably, right? The 15 rarely beats the two. Right. Yeah. Most likely. It would be a big surprise if a two goes out in the first round. That's one of those... Shockers. ...lead the sports cast it, with. It, it happens, but not often. And so it's usually a great game. So if you got uh, Nebraska in the first game and Tennessee in the second... Gonzaga in the first game, Marquette in the second. Uh, I would take the latter. Virginia in the first game, Tennessee in the second. That's the consensus. As it stands now. Now they got four Tennessee games to go. Tennessee seems tougher to me to, be, to, to, to beat. To beat. Uh, they, got, they got four games to go plus the conference tournament. So the other people, other people, down. right? Other people could lose along the way. So it's not set in stone, but it doesn't seem like a bad place to be. Certainly, just about as. As good as the Aggies have ever gotten. And I do think in large part, and you need this, is strength of the league. And yes. the league has gotten deservedly so respect this year. It's it's 100% earned. Uh, and also uh, benefiting from the Pac-12 being down. Because you, you they spread them out to a degree, too. So there's a lot of, there's some ver- other variables that go into it. But <clears throat> right now, I would look for them to do better than a seven. Winnable games down the stretch at Fresno. That's bottom half of the league team right that's there. That's W. Home to Air Force at San that's Jose. WWW. And then home to New Mexico. www.sweet16.com. And then on to <laughs> the conference tournament. So that's this really sets up for a five-game win streak. And then yeah, in the conference yeah, semis, yeah, yeah. in the conference semis, you're going to get a good team. Oh, at worst, four and one. Who's the one? Did Just you, a bad night, something crazy happens. you say New Mexico at the end? New Mexico at home. Right. That's that's the one. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, I'm I guess not the saying next, they would lose that game. I'm just saying worst next, case scenario. The next one, I guess, would be uh, the next toughest game is probably at Fresno. I mean, yeah. Air Force and San Jose are terrible. They've combined for three conference wins, and they must yeah, well, have played each other by now. Fresno. Yeah? Fresno's been like in a 30-year rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> Boyd Grant ain't walking through that door. <laughs> just seems like it. I mean, after the Targ thing, it just yeah. really haven't gotten it going. No. Consistently. Yeah, Steve Cleveland had the five years after Targ. And, yeah, and they, they brought up four well, of those and years. Then they, didn't they bring in somebody else and they had a problem? Yeah. Isn't that when Ray Lopes came in after Steve? And yeah, then, Davey's then, son. No. <laughs> Not Davey's son. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, the, I, I think it's a four and one with at least, at least one win in Vegas. Where do you think BYU ought to be? If the, if the Aggies they, are... They're hard to tell because of the fact that they've got winnable games and losable games. I was saying, where do you think they ought to be seated right now? Because you're oh, right, right about now? the schedule. No the, I don't know which, 12, which coach to credit, but somebody said all the Big 12 coaches are trying to work on a winning streak of one. Now that that was a pretty good line for where the league sits this year. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them uh, two places had BYU as a six and two had them as a seven. Better. But th- is that updated after last night? Uh, you know, some may be and some may not be. With four of them, they can't all be uh, To updated. me, that's better. Uh, it's not as good. I-, I expect them to be better. Yeah. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Coming up next, we got a Cougar assistant coach join us. PK's favorite Cougar assistant coach because he caused the Arizona Wildcats pain. That's next. Stay with us. Lonick jumps it now. They want to get him to Stoudemire. They want to get him to Stoudemire. Got to hurry now. Seven seconds. Here he comes. It's one-on-one with Lonick. Lonick stays. Almost stolen. They've got it. Two seconds. Robinson at the buzzer. Yes. 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 Robinson at the buzzer. Musburger and Dick Vitale, Stanford over Arizona. PK could not have been happy to see the Wildcats go down. Nick Robinson will join us briefly. He hit the shot. Now he's a Cougar assistant coach, and they're coming off a big win at home over Baylor. That's the beauty of sports. You go to a game, and it very well could be a moment that will live on for however long. And that was one of them. You know, the ball gets popped out. He fires it up there and goes in at home. Uh, and Tiger Woods is sitting on the front row, standing on the front row at that point. And he's obviously had the Stanford connection there. And I don't even know when that was, but it's still, to this day, it's awesome. And it was against the the just, just the debacle of a group of people that is known as the University of Arizona basketball program. <laughs> Debacle of a group of people. Okay. Nick Robinson joins us now. Nick, good morning. Good morning, guys. We just had Brent Musburger screaming and yelling after you hit the shot to beat Arizona. We did that just to put PK in a good mood for you. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> the rush you get playing, the rush you get coaching i think we can imagine even if we can't know we can imagine the rush when that shot goes in and beats arizona what's the rush you get as a coach though when you see your guys playing well again because that's three out of four now that's five out of seven and obviously that was a nationally ranked baylor team what's the adrenaline rush like now you know it's an incredible rush uh, for us to be able to respond um, after the performance that we had on Saturday uh, was very satisfying uh, for our entire team, um, not just the the entire Marriott Center and Rock Nation and Cougar Nation, right? Um, you know, we were extremely pleased with the effort, the energy, uh, the focus, and we're super excited and very satisfied after that victory. Khalifa, wow, what a game, what a player. You know, I had the opportunity to interview him after you first got him, and his story 
aside from basketball, is just incredible. So you're going to root for a kid like that. I'm wondering, he puts his name in the transfer portal uh, last year. What do you guys know about him at the time, and how do you go about uh, researching and doing your homework to say that's a player that we'd be interested in? Well, we knew uh, about Ali because we actually had pretty good relationships with the staff over at at Charlotte uh, that were long, uh, you know, long-term relationships. And so to be able to follow that team as they went on to win uh, the CBI last year was essentially a huge turnaround for the entire program. And so we had a, a semblance of an idea that he had been extremely well coached, um, that his defensive fundamentals uh, were very solid, that he had a high IQ. And then we started to look at the stats and the film and realized, wow, he can really pass this basketball. He can really shoot the basketball. He might be a really good fit at BYU once he's in the transfer portal. So it was um, uh, you know, a great opportunity for us to be able to get him on the phone uh, for us to be able to find out a little bit more about his story and then to go through the pretty quick uh, transfer portal recruiting process with him. And we're grateful that he decided to come to BYU. Passing is an interesting skill in basketball, and I get the physical stuff of being able to pass off the dribble, kind of do two things at once, and, and also willing passers. Some people just don't want to pass, so they'll never be a good passer. But there's something extra to see some of the passes he sees and to see them as soon as he sees them. Can you coach that up, or is that just something somebody has or doesn't have? You know, he brought a lot of that to us, meaning he was raised uh, uh, in basketball, uh, you know, with an older sister um, who's coached him extremely well and, uh, you know, allowed him to, uh, you know, kind of grow under her tutelage. And then he spent uh, multiple years uh, in Australia, uh, where they know where we know that they you know uh, teach very fundamental skilled basketball, uh, and then again right at Charlotte he uh, you know was well coached, and so he brought a lot of his vision, um, his skill in passing, his ability to be able to read plays, and so we've been fortunate, uh, you know Coach Feger and Coach Pope, uh, you know have done a great job uh, of orchestrating you know some of our offensive schemes. Uh, to fit his skills. You mentioned that recruiting. You know, you talk about recruiting at the with the high school kids. You establish the relationship early, you know, maybe ninth grade or so, and then it's built up over years, and then the kid commits and so forth and so on. In the transfer portal, how condensed is it? Because it seems like high school kids' years, transfer portal days. Is that accurate? That's absolutely accurate. I mean, for us, uh, you know, we uh, generally try to do everything that we can to uh, get in contact with the player or those that are closest to him, um, you know, once they're in the transfer portal within the first, you know, you know, couple of hours. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, the dating slash courting period uh, takes about 24 to 48 hours to see if there's actual mutual interest. And then from there, uh, you know, it's really about a two-and-a-half to three weeks, sometimes a month process, uh, if you're lucky to get to that stage uh, where an individual has uh, now, you know, evaluated the schools, um, evaluated 
you know, what they're looking for uh, and evaluated the opportunity that might be available to them uh, at the, you know, top two or three schools. And then the decision process is made. Uh, you know, the difference uh, between high school versus uh, kind of the transfer portal is uh, all the individuals in the transfer portal went through the high school recruiting process. And so they understand kind of what uh, college recruiting is like. They understand what college is now. Uh, and so they have an understanding of what it means to uh, be in, in, in essentially what is most important to them. So once they're able to find out what's most important to them, uh, you know, it makes the recruiting matching uh, process a little bit easier. Obviously, you tried to educate yourself on the Big 12 and prepare as a coaching staff for this move, but you can't know everything. You anticipated a lot of this, but what's the biggest surprise been? You know, I think the biggest surprise is uh, what we uh, were told, but you can't really know until you experience it, uh, that the Big 12 is a gauntlet, that every single night um, is a physical um, uh, battle. Uh, it's uh, very, very high-level coaching. It's very high-level uh, individual players. It's very high-level teams. And so uh, we understood uh, that, but we had not experienced it. Uh, now we're 13 games in and uh, have a better sense of what that is uh, and what it means uh, to be <laughs> in the middle of the gauntlet. Um, and we're uh, super excited about the next game. You've had decent success on the road, and you know you won a couple ball games in conference, and you had some other ones that obviously you could have won. And then at home, you know, lost a couple ball games, but you've had some great, great wins. So the ability is there to find success no matter where you play. What do you do need to do to channel the good stuff on the road when you go? Excuse me, the good stuff at home when you go on the road these next couple ball games. Yeah, when we're playing at home, clearly uh, Cougar Nation, The Rock, uh, the Marriott Center, um, you know, provides uh, an incredible amount uh, of, uh, uh, you know, excitement. Um, it provides an incredible amount of support. And so we're so grateful for the opportunity that we have to, you know, be in the Marriott Center. Um, and so, uh, you know, with two more games uh, at home, um, you know, we're excited about, uh, you know, what that brings. But with three more games on the road, uh, we really have got to channel uh, the togetherness, the toughness, the grit, the uh, fight that we uh, brought as a team, uh, you know, like we did in, in uh, last night's game. And so, uh, you know, our ability to be able to focus in uh, in those areas and to really trust uh uh, the guys, right, to really trust one another in their defensive assignments and rotations and their offensive execution, um, uh, you know, really honing in on that process is really the key for us uh, as we move forward in any game. How much are you opening eyes and recruiting since everything happens at the same time with the way you've played this year? Uh, sorry, sorry, say that one more time. With the way that you're debuting in the Big 12, how is that changing the recruiting process for you? Great. Thanks for repeating that. Um, I think that that, uh, you know, really continues to open up doors, right? BYU has an incredible history, right? There's been so many teams and players that have uh, built the program to this point. Uh, but to be in the number one conference in the country, uh, to be uh, in the top 25 for as many weeks as we've been in, uh, to get a huge home win headed down the stretch, um, you know, with the sights of postseason uh, right there, 
uh, you know, the opportunity that this provides and the exposure that it provides uh, will really help us, uh, you know, as we continue to uh, recruit and, uh, you know, prepare for, uh, you know, recruiting and future uh, teams uh, in the Big 12. Your playing rotations have been interesting to me because, you know, Foose was down and then it took him a while to get back. And then a couple games you went on the road, and he was huge. Uh, and then he's not getting as many minutes. Trey Stewart uh, wasn't getting any minutes. Now he's getting some. And uh, my question then, the point I'm making, is how much is Coach Pope and you guys going by feel as opposed to set rotations in terms of minutes played per game? Yeah, one of the things that uh, we've been really fortunate over the course of the season uh, when we've had guys out of the lineup is we've had uh, multiple guys uh, step up. And, uh, you know, as we've gone through the Big 12 uh, schedule and seen every team uh, essentially outside of Kansas and TCU uh, for the first time, um, you know, we're able to uh, continue to evaluate the rotations um, from an analytical perspective, from a field perspective, from an in-game uh, perspective. And so, uh, you know, every individual understands that they've got to be ready to come in and perform at a high level because every game is a high-level game. And so uh, I think it's a combination of all of those areas as we, uh, you know, continue to uh, try to uh, work through the rotations game by game uh, so that we can be successful. Obviously, you have to hit threes in this era of basketball. It's it's really three-dependent. But some of your guys, their movement off the ball and their ability to cut and get you easy buckets, and Noah Waterman had a great cut and got a dunk, uh, and he actually got a couple of them. How do you keep your guys invested in that part of the game? Because it's natural for players to think, hey, the three's going or it's not going, and be out there. And, and you can't exclusively live and die by that. So how do you get those other moments in the game where a guy on the weak side – see somebody turn their head and goes to the hoop and get you an easy two? Well, because we're such a threat from three, I mean, it allows us offensively to be able to take advantage of some cutting opportunities. Um, in addition, right, Foose um, and clearly Ali uh, have become much better in terms of reading the opportunities uh, to uh, pass the ball to amazing cutters. Um, you know, Richie, Noah, you mentioned, Trevin, uh, Jackson, uh, you know, each of those guys uh, clearly right, do a great job from three, which means uh, that teams are going to guard them uh, in such a way that we can have opportunities at the rim. And so uh, it's a combination of being great cutters, but also having great passers uh, to be able to uh, provide us those opportunities. I saw a quote from uh, Ari Emma, who coaches the women's basketball at UConn, obviously has been extremely successful. And he was saying that, you know, everybody has a role on the team. Some, uh, in his case, women, obviously, would be to score 20 points a game, and but not everybody has that role. But everybody has the role, particularly to bring energy to what you're trying to accomplish every day. And your role can be different, uh, score, defender, whatever it might be, screener. And you look at Saunders – and when I saw that quote, first guy I thought of was Saunders because somehow he manages to bring energy to everything that he does, at least from our perspective when I turn on the television to watch. Can you speak to how important that is? Yeah, Richie's energy is incredible. Um, you know, he brings that type of energy every single day. 
and we've got, uh, you know, additional guys uh, that bring, you know, their maximum energy every single day in practice. And so, you know, it's one of those areas where, uh, you know, Richie's ability to be able to bring uh, some energy, right, uh, in a lot of different spaces. But last night, you know, specifically, we saw incredible energy from Spencer Johnson on the offensive glass. Uh, you know, I think he had five offensive rebounds. Uh, you know, for Dallin Hall to have, I think, four offensive rebounds last night was incredible energy, you know, that allowed us to be able to uh, shoot, you know, essentially 15 more times, um, you know, than BYU or than uh, Baylor did last night. You know, in addition, you know, each of our guys understands the standard of energy that we need to bring defensively. Um, you know, Coach Fennell has done a great job of, uh, you know, making sure that guys – uh, you know, game in and game out, uh, you know, with a few bumps on the road, uh, you know, have brought a consistent, focused energy uh, on the defensive end. And so, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, we hope that each of our guys can bring uh, the maximum level of energy that they are capable of doing uh, and lean into their strengths on the floor. And we're able to see Richie, uh, you know, lean into one of his absolute strengths, which is, uh, you know, playing uh, hard, physical, tough every minute that he's on the floor. BYU assistant basketball coach Nick Robinson joining us here on The Zone. Your next game is at Kansas State. They had off to a great start, but they've lost seven of their last eight. The one win was over Kansas, so it's a quality win. But nonetheless, they've lost seven of eight. When you look at the tape, they're vulnerable somewhere. They're getting beat somewhere. Where? What do you guys need to attack? Where have their issues been? Yeah, Kansas State, you know, is a very good basketball team, right? They're well coached, um, they're physical, they're tough. Uh, they've played better at home, um, you know, over the course of the season. Uh, you know, for us, we really feel like we've got to attack uh, in the areas that BYU has been successful in, meaning uh, we want to uh, do what we can to be in transition. We want to uh, shoot um, you know, as many great threes as we can. We want to be very, uh, you know, physical and on our toes uh, as we move through screening and uh, cutting, uh, which we've talked about on the, uh, you know, to this point. But in addition, defensively, uh, you know, we've got to be a, uh, really, really good in our transition defense. That's where they, uh, you know, have found a lot of success. Um, you know, and in the half court, we've got to make sure that we uh, limit, uh, you know, their top guys. Uh, to, uh, you know, what they uh, don't want to do. <laughs> we want to, you know, force them into some of their weaknesses. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a really tough, uh, tall task and a, and a, a great challenge for us off of a, a really good win uh, versus Baylor. Uh, but I'm excited for our guys and we're excited as a, as a team and as a staff uh, for the opportunity. If I had to identify one reason for your team's gr- big-time success this season. There's been no question about that. I think I would boil it down to simply continuity because the transfer portal hasn't been that big of a factor this year, and everybody uh, outside of uh, Khalifa, basically, has been with the team and knows what to expect. Would you agree with that, that continuity is is that important? Because I put it pretty high on the list. I definitely believe that the guys that have been in the program – uh, right for now, uh, a year and you know three quarters uh, have benefited from the continuity. Um, but it's not just so much the continuity, right? Uh, it's really been the connectedness 
uh, of our guys. Uh, we were fortunate to be able to go on a foreign tour, um, you know, with those that joined the team brand new, uh, and that really connected our guys. And so when we entered fall camp and then we went through uh, the non-conference season, uh, they were able to lean on each other more and more and more and really, uh, you know, provide uh, incredible internal leadership. And so uh, for us to be able to see that consistently has gotten us through um, you know, many of the tough stretches that we've had in Big 12 play. Uh, but we've also been able to see uh, that that connectedness, um, you know, of this particular team um, has really been able to show itself in our responses, uh, you know, just like we had last night versus Baylor. Among the Stanford people, because you're a proud Stanford alum, as you should be, you guys all think that that, that, that mad dog guy, Mark Madsen, is a traitor now for coaching a Cal? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, <laughs> Coach <laughs> Coach Madsen um, has had an incredible, uh, you know, coaching career path to this point. Um, and so, you know, he's uh, doing everything he can to take advantage of the opportunities that are provided to him. And, and that was an incredible uh, opportunity for him to uh, go from Utah Valley into the Pac-12. Um, you know, and now the ACC, I guess, in, you yeah, know, three months' time. Yeah, but Cal, um, come you know, on, but, how could you do that? You know, it still feels, uh, you know, very weird, uh, you know, to see him, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, uh, you know, some yellow and, and yellow and blue. Um, but, uh, you know, as a, uh, you know, as a Stanford alum, uh, you know, I'm excited for uh, the guys that uh, continue to have success. Um, you know, in whatever profession they're in. I mean, we've got guys that are in commercial real estate and, um, you know, in, in Amazon and, uh, you know, running startups and all sorts of things. And so they've changed their jersey as well. And so I'm not mad at, at any of them for, uh, uh, you know, pursuing incredible, uh, you know, dreams uh, at this particular stage. But I want you to know I'm an Arizona State grad and you'll forever be my favorite Stanford player because of that shot. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that even 20 years later, we're able to uh, bring smiles to uh, people's faces, uh, you know, with that incredible moment. Absolutely would have been a better answer, though. When you said absolutely, I got to admit, my heart fell a little bit when you said not. That would have been funny if you'd just gone at Mark, just for the fun of it. (laughs) He would have loved it, too. Uh, Drop the hammer on him. But teammates hey you gotta you gotta stick up for each other when you got the stanford connection and mike montgomery made it okay mike made it okay because he did it too so everybody else can follow him so one of the things about uh you know coach madsen about mad dog is he was actually my host on my recruiting visit Uh right so i've got nothing but love for that man there you go well nick we appreciate a few minutes after the big win congratulations good luck at kansas state and, uh, you know, keep an eye on the scores. And if you see Arizona lose, you know PK's happy. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, hey, thanks for having me on. Go Cougs, and I really appreciate the time. All right, thank you, Nick. Nick Robinson, assistant basketball coach at BYU, coming off the win over 11th-ranked Baylor at home. Yeah, but uh, Montgomery didn't play for Stanford. No, he didn't. He coached Stanford. Didn't help he? him get to the Final Four. Well, he coached him. I mean, for... 20 years? He did, but yeah, still. Yeah, I mean, he was a Stanford guy. No. Well, you coached all hired hands. Not after 20 years. Come on. After 20 years, you're in the club. Uh, except he left. He so did. there was the club. He Screw did. you, club. <laughs> you get to move on with your life. <laughs> that was a situation where he went to the NBA and so the Stanford right. thing. And, and I actually thought Madsen was going to get the Stanford job this year because I thought they were going to make a change with Haas, and they didn't. Didn't. 
timing is everything. And they had a number of people like rip them for not making a right. move. And they're oh, going yeah. to make it in the next year or two, yeah, so absolutely. maybe he goes it's over not, then. It's not getting any better, <laughs> yeah, right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Coming up, everything you missed in this show next. Stay with us. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Joining us now, guard for the Utah Jazz, the one and only Keontae George. Tell us about getting back in the starting lineup and how you're approaching it. I'm still approaching, approaching the game the same way I did. You know, when I was whether I was starting, come off the bench, I was preparing like a starter. So I know when I went into the game, um, I knew how guys were in pick and roll. I knew what they were doing off ball. You know, of course, there's a difference between starting the game and coming off the bench. But for me, it was just about how can I be effective in the role that, that I'm put in. So it's great to, you know, be the starting point guard and for a great organization. And, you know, not a lot of people get this opportunity. So I'm never going to take it for granted. I'm going to continue to work my tail off, continue to trust Will and, you know, his staff, continue to trust my teammates and continue to work to gain the trust of the older guys. And so it's a great journey. It's, of course, it comes with some adversity, but, you know, I love it. So just continuing to grow more and more into my role. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. The John Watson Chevrolet Player of the Week honors the best basketball players, boys and girls high school players in northern Utah every week. Our winners this week are Carly Mayfield of Northridge and Mecky Martin of Layton. Northridge won their final two games of the regular season as Mayfield scored 14 points in a 48-41 win over Woods Cross and 11 in a 51-44 win at Bonneville. Martin led the Lancers to a pair of wins to close out the regular season with a 22-1 record and the Region 1 title as he notched 22 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists in the 77-74 win over Weber before scoring 15 in a 75-62 win over Fremont. See why new and used car buyers give John Watson Chevrolet more 5-star reviews than any other Chevy dealer in Utah. John Watson Chevrolet, your 5-star Chevy dealer. And it's time now to get you up to speed on everything we've talked about over the course of the last three and a half hours. And it's brought to you by Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown. Find your new Mazda at the south end of the valley at Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown. That's Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown in Sandy. Big home wins for Utah State and BYU. They take down nationally ranked teams at home. You had the number on Utah State, 19-109 and against ranked teams. This is a rarity. It is something to savor. And the Spectrum crowd looked like it was savoring it. They split with San Diego State. Hopefully we'll get a third meeting in the conference tournament. Let oh, these, yeah, that'd be cool. Let these two Sam go at Merrill it again. at the buzzer? I'm sure. They're <laughs> <laughs> almost at the buzzer? <laughs> right. That probably doesn't go over that well with that. Uh, Sam Merrill's a freaking stud. Probably doesn't go over that well with CSU or Nevada or Boise State or any of the other contenders. We're not doing a show there. <laughs> Give us the big dogs well, I mean, again. it's clear they've been able to sprinkle some magic upon this basketball no, team. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Head coach Danny Sprinkle reference. He's probably never heard that before. Little did I know when I was doing the preseason previews for the uh, sporting news um, stuff and their coach would always talk about for, for three years when I did it, Danny Sprinkle. And now here he is coaching. Yeah. I mean, just remember, I mean, Sprinkle's a, not a name. You're, it's a name you're going to remember. Yeah, yeah, Danny Sprinkle. And here he is in-state coaching and clearly the runaway coach of the year in the conference. They got the top spot now. Half game in front of Boise State. They got to buy this weekend. And then a fairly cushy finish for the Aggies. Three and one worst case scenario and really 
4-0. And five straight wins, because if they win the last four, then they're going to be the top seed, and they ought to beat the eight seed or nine seed, whoever wins that game. Yeah, that's why I say until they get to the semis, minimum 4-1. I'd be shocked. If it was anything else. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, I would favor them at home against anybody that in the conference. Yeah, New Mexico, certainly. Which on paper looks like the toughest and game. New Mexico eh, handled them pretty uh, easily. In, in the pit. In, yeah, so they got some opportunity. They had to have to a little motivation. Yeah. It'll be senior night because that's the last home game. It's the last regular season game. What is senior night now? <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what senior night is anymore. They got to be able to find one senior. <laughs> Isn't there somebody here that this matters to a lot, or are y'all hired guns who just got here? Yeah. Let's send the seniors out the right way. Do we have any seniors? Well, well yeah. Who's really a senior? <laughs> I've been and saying goodbye to Cam Rising for four years. <laughs> <laughs> and you coming back for your fifth or sixth year? Yeah. This guy, I'm going to call him the cat, man. He's got more lives than any college football player ever for the U of U. Uh, I know Darius Brown is a senior. He's a he's a six-year, three-school guy. Yeah, but you never know. So, senior night. That year. That year in Logan. I thought it was so stupid to give the college basketball kids another year. The season was over. You lost the NCAA tournament. But they gave him another year. Everybody gets right, a year. So, like BYU, which didn't make the tournament. Yeah. And Utah, which didn't make the tournament. <laughs> Get a bonus here. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that just didn't make any sense to me, man. Somebody's always going to get jammed up. They just kick the can down the road. I have a niece who's a freshman, and she plays on the women's soccer team at the University of Idaho, and the freshmen don't play because they're loaded with fourth, fifth, and sixth-year players, and at their level, they're pretty good. I think they finished second in the biggest guy. I'd have to go look. So the freshmen aren't playing, so they're losing a year. But the other kids got taken care of for missing 2020. And there's nothing like soccer. It just runs deep in the Sniggledorf family. <laughs> As it turns out. Yeah. But but her brother is, uh, is a baseball guy all the way. Who knew? And it was just a way to get out of the office. <laughs> it wasn't a way to get out of the office. It's a way to program I, the Saturday I, night I show. I only know what I'm told. And what you, I- <laughs> I've already explained to you why that's BS, and you've gone, yeah, that's BS. I love that he loves to defend it every time, Yach. Because you lie on a regular basis. <laughs> I'm about truth, justice, and the American way. Da, 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 yeah, but if da, you da, da, lie da. about things you don't give a crap about, is it really a lie? Yes. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, our last day, whenever that comes. Yeah, you got out of the office. That's why you do the soccer. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are the little things that entertain us, aren't they? They really are, actually. <laughs> So you want it out of the office. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> Games over studio shows 99 times out of 100. Fine. Good for yeah. you. And so you crapped on others. That, you know, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> or guaranteed their employment. <laughs> I'm fine with it. It didn't affect me either way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Utah State wins. BYU gets a W. All is well. We got a lot of people reacting. How cool is it to have two awesome teams in state? And they ought to, they ought to get seated in the tournament. Right now, they'll both be seated to win in the first round, which I guess you can say increases the pressure. But what is pressure other than opportunity? Opportunity you want to seize. Bring it.
But we'll get to those pressure games in a month. Yeah, it'll be fun when we get there for sure. We've talked a lot about the Utah Jazz this morning. Tim Lacombe came on and said 65% chance they come back with a three-game win streak here. It's Charlotte, it's San Antonio, and then a road trip to Atlanta. Well, I want to see what they look like tomorrow night. I'm expecting a much better effort because I got it in, uh, what was it, the fourth game since the trade or the third? Uh, the third since one trade and the fourth since the other. That's okay. why you're a little blurry. Okay. There was one game in between the two trades. Yeah. Uh, and they lost all four. But the fourth one, eyeball test, they just looked like a better team. They they look more inspired. Well, you're pros. You got to get past it. You, you do. You got to shake it off. It's not coming back. So what it's you, not what like you, you're the yeah. only team that it's ever happened to. You're going to play terrible and play your way out of the league. I mean, at some point, you just got to go play. Right. So I'm expecting uh, a much better effort as soon as immediately, which is tomorrow. Getting to the playoffs seems like a tall order, so the more interesting thing here is are they going to have the 9th, 10th, or 11th, or 12th pick in the draft? Because obviously it's top 10 protected. Are they keeping the pick or not? Seems to be the drama down the stretch. Maybe something unexpected will unfold, and then getting into one of those playing games will become possible. They play really well. Somebody else plays poorly or has an injury and can't keep up the pace. It's almost like it's too early. Give me a couple of more weeks. Get me to March, you know, first, second week of March, and then maybe I could uh, see what that's about. Gotta, I'm just interested you in gotta seeing get a to the final, now. Final quarter of the season, 26 games left right now. Well, because of what happened to the team, uh, let's see what they got going forward here. Can, can you muster up a better effort and get past it and got rotations and so forth? And, and now we look at uh, what, what they've got. I'm expecting... Expecting them to at least hang around. I don't think they should be like eight games out. Well, they're four behind the Lakers now and two and a half behind the Warriors after the disastrous week at home with the Warriors and Lakers. But they got they've got some bad teams coming in. So beat Charlotte, beat San Antonio, start the road trip with a win in Atlanta. We'll see how the next week goes. And then we'll have a better read on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to hear tomorrow night, well, man, at least they didn't quit. <laughs> against Charlotte. Yeah, no. Maybe well, Charlotte have quit. None of that. None of that nonsense. Charlotte's 13 of 41 and trading guys away. And and they played hard. Forget that. Win the freaking game. We talked a little bit expansion. There's a big story out on ESPN about baseball expansion cities. Where might Major League Baseball go? The timeline seems to be the commissioner who said he's going to be done in five years. We'll see if that's true. He says he's going to be done in five years, and he'd like to announce the teams, although they probably won't be playing when he steps down. But they at least announce them, and they usually give teams a couple years to get organized, get players, put guys in the minors, and start selling tickets and sponsorships and get everything organized. Yeah, I mean, you got to go through a couple drafts. Yep. To be able to field a, not a team, but... An organization of right start building a ball, get a rookie up. team up to A, up to double A, and get things going. Right. That story is uh, on our uh, on my uh, Twitter feed at David DJ James. If you want to go read it? All right. Anything else you want to pass along to the people? I love them dearly. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
PJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. It is time for the feedback of the day. What you have to say about the stuff we've been talking about, and we have been talking about rebuilding and about big wins. Huge wins for BYU and Utah State. How awesome is it to have two great in-state teams? U-State Iceman, it would be even awesomer, parentheses, if that's a word, close parentheses, if they were both seated in the Salt Lake bracket and met up in the second round with Utah State winning 81-78. Oddly specific. Seems like that would be hard to do. Yes. And they usually try to take care of the top four teams in each region, so they're the ones that get the priority on playing regionally. The next group of four can get taken care of, but they don't well, what's always. What's the other one in the West? Uh, I'd have to look that up. Because my thought would be Arizona would, unless there's one closer. The 2024 team, let's see, in the West, uh, Spokane. Spokane, Washington. So I look for Arizona hosting. to come here. Because they're going to take care of the one seed. Well, I don't know that there'll be a one seed, but there'll be the highest there West two, seed. Yeah, if there are two, they'll still get taken care of. Yeah. And maybe one of them can get here. Yeah. And the next closest is Omaha, which isn't that close. No, no, obviously not. It would be awesome if both teams played the Delta Center in March. I fear BYU will get priority because of the Sunday play rule, though. Is it a Thursday, Saturday? Uh, the Delta Center is a Thursday, Saturday. Spokane is a Friday, Sunday. Okay. Well, and the yeah. Omaha I speak of is also a Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. 15-hour drive, a little bit of a haul. Did it once. That would be awesome if they got sent here. I know. I'd go root my heart yeah. out for the Cougars. <laughs> Why do you say stuff like that? Because I'd want them to win. It's good for the show. Okay. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> you going to root for them to lose? Out. What good does that do no, us? You root for the. I thought you said for the Cougars and the Aggies. If no, the Aggies no. I was thinking if I just one yeah. got sent. If both of them, fine. But I'm yeah. figuring just one. I mean, why do I say that? Oh, I'm a hardcore Cougar. I've got no problem admitting that. I don't. I mean, admitting it in certain situations. BYU lot. Colton says BYU lost to Craig Smith. Can't classify them as great. That's Colton. Hashtag positive vibes only at Aggie Van Colton. Setting the positive vibes aside for a second to take a shot at BYU. They lost to Utah. They did. On the road. Yep. In a close game. That was a tight game. Without Foos. Foos. No Foosini. Jen, the state of Utah can hoop. Jen is pumped up. Yeah. Brian says he thinks BYU and Utah State are on track for top six seeds in the same year. Has that ever happened? I don't know. I would have to say no. I don't remember two of the I don't remember two local teams being that seated that well. It's very well, rare. What has Utah State's best seed ever been? Uh, I'd have to look that up. I do not know that off the top of my head, but I would think six would be it. Yeah. In the thirty years that we've been here. Right. Yeah, I don't remember two. Coming out of the big west. If you ain't Vegas, you no. ain't high seeded. No, they got a lot of twelve seeds. Right, right. Once they got a fifteen and had to play number two Arizona up in Boise, got sent up to that game. I agree. Was a joke. Yeah. They just reserve the 
15 seed for Harold the Show Arsenault. <laughs> <laughs> I also asked, what's your level of patience for the Jazz rebuild? Austin says, I'm losing interest over the amount of times we're rebuilding. Well, it's only been a little more than a year and a half. They basically rebuilt once a decade. You didn't have to rebuild in the 90s. But since then, you're you've had to rebuild. The basketball gods are begging you to pay for that. <laughs> 20 years. Rebuilding once a decade. I think the problem is that the rebuilds haven't led to deep playoff runs. They've got one Western Conference final in 25 years. That's not a lot. It's only one, I believe. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's only seven. Yeah, it's seven playoff series they've won in, in 25 years. Okay, sure. You want That's to go not that. a lot. It's a little bit of a different story, but... Yeah, ben says it, it does seem like it will never end. I've lost almost interest, all interest in the Jazz as a fan. Yeah, but will you get it back when they win? Oh, fire yeah, up without, the bandwagon! Yeah, it's coming. Scoot Sam over. says, "Oh, this is it. This is the answer." Jay Z is uh, waiting for. This is the answer. Ryan Smith is definitely waiting for. What's your level of patience for the Jazz rebuild? Sam, ten. Period. Do whatever it takes to bring us a Larry Ob. The Larry OBT? Exactly. Okay. The Larry O'Brien Trophy. <laughs> Braves fan? I don't watch anymore, really. Brent, I'm losing it now. I barely watch. Kathy, the librarian, says she has one. Total opposite end of the spectrum from Sam, and it's 10. So that means she's running out? Yep. Linda's done. Zero! So then she'll be quiet, points. huh? Hear him at one man of courage. They have lost me. Don't care anymore. Ah, bull crap. <laughs> Just don't believe people. I don't. I don't believe when they say that. <laughs> they'll, they'll be back in a heartbeat. You can be disinterested, but that's different than being lost. Yes. I don't want to pay to every. Don't want to pay attention to every detail of this rebuild. Right, because I know it's going to take a I while. So why obsess? Right. But you're not lost. And Sonia, of course, provides the gif. It's been 84 years from the Titanic. Is that Kate Winslet? <laughs> <laughs> After she went through the time machine at the end of the movie. Okay, got it. All right, DJ and PK, we're all done. Jake and Ben are up next right here on The Zone.